Hello, and welcome back to RoyCast, the original Succession podcast. My name is Brendan, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Gabby. Hello, Gabby. Hello, Brendan. Hey, friends. Our guest today is a freelance writer and critic based in Brooklyn, New York. He is a contributing writer for The Nation, the editor of Downtime Magazine, and has contributed to publications such as The New Republic, Filmmaker Magazine, Criterion, and more. He previously appeared on this program to discuss Season 1's Lifeboats and Season 3's Lion in the Meadow. Back for a three-peat, we're, we're chuffed, frankly, to once again welcome Vikram Murthy to the Roycast. Hi, Vikram. Hey, how's it going? Thank you. Yeah, I'm chuffed as well. We're all, we're all chuffed. I can't believe it was lying in the meadow. Like that was what, like a year and a half ago. It feels like you were just here. I mean, we were just saying, but yeah, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I'm an avid listener to the pod. I think you guys, it's, uh, it's, uh, every week is great. Every week is great. And you got, you got friends of mine on now. So it's, it's pretty funny that, <laughs> that, uh, how, how much it's grown. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're enjoying it. We enjoy your friends. Oh yeah. We've, we found our crew over the seasons. And, uh, just like, uh, just like, just like they did, kind of, on the show, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, of course. And the director uh, this... crew, and yeah, yeah, we're we're exactly <laughs> like uh, the people who write Succession, <laughs> the three of us. Exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. Don't... If there's if if there's one thing to take away from this, I think I think that's it. Yeah. And this this is the this is the penultimate <laughs> episode of the series, so we're we're of Oof. course reuniting with old friends all over the place. People coming back for what, in some cases, we can we may presume to be their actual curtain calls for the show. Some characters we may never see again. But let's do our quick uh, plot recap of this penultimate episode of Succession, Church and State, in which all the major characters, save Tom, swamped at the ATN offices in the aftermath of a contentious election call, head to St. Ignatius Loyola on the Upper East Side for Logan's funeral mass. Shiv persuades Matson to leak the story about his fraudulent subscriber numbers during the tumultuous news cycle. Due to the ongoing unrest surrounding the election results, Robba decides to take the kids upstate and skip the funeral, while Kendall also discovers that Jess intends to resign as his assistant. At the funeral, Ewan gives a good strong take, memorializing the difficult childhood he shared with Logan, while also condemning his life's work and the damage he inflicted on the world. Roman, who is set to give the official eulogy, breaks down at the pulpit and is unable to speak. Kendall and Shiv instead give speeches acknowledging their hard relationships with Logan, but honoring his legacy. At the mausoleum where Logan is entombed, Kendall recruits Hugo to spread negative press about the Gojo deal and reveals his plan to seize the company for himself, shortly thereafter also offering Colin the opportunity to continue on as his body man. At the reception, Kendall and Roman first try to solidify their deal with Mencken before Shiv steals him away to make a counteroffer with Matson. Increased global influence with a U.S. CEO, implied to be Shiv, who will serve his agenda. Leaving the reception, Matson calls Shiv to say that Mencken has given his blessing to Gojo acquiring Waystar. Roman, badly shaken by the events of the day, flees the reception when Ken tells him that he fucked up with Mencken, heading into the streets where he meets a crowd of protesters and goes them into beating and trampling him. So right off the bat, I mean, I think just to say I loved this episode. Um, it reminded me so much of season one, uh, the period before the show had a travel budget and it had to make do with a barrage of sharp-elbowed conversations. Like so much of this episode in that pre-funeral sequence and at the reception is made up of these great two- and three-hander dialogues, which also reminded me of season one's prenuptial. You know, in a sense, the yeah. episode is a TV cliche, like the late stage episode where all the supporting characters come together and make cameos and get their moments to remind us all why we loved the show. Honeymoon States was kind of like this, too. But 
I thought it struck such a great balance between the pathos and the slapstick in the way that the show excels at doing. Um, what did you guys think of it? Yeah, I mean, for me, it was definitely, I think, favorite episode of the season. I It was sort of like the inverse of last week's episode where there was, uh, you know, an election going on and, and, and the um, some of the interpersonal stuff got, like, submerged for me. It took a little while for me to, like, tease that out, sink my teeth into it, whereas this was just, like, all interpersonal, all drama, all psychodrama, like, right, right from the get. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if I agree that it was, like, I, I felt the pathos and the slapstick in equal measure. It felt very heavy on the pathos for me, which I loved. Like, I think the show has earned it. Um, and I think there were a few things in this episode that, uh, yeah, they sort of just let themselves run wild with. They've been very restrained throughout the season, which I, well, I mean, throughout the series, really, which I respect. Um, and it feels like this kind of episode where we have all these people returning and we have some interesting scenes that, that are, are sort of different from the typical, you know, um, just succession, uh, you know, ethos, I, I, um, I really appreciated that it was like this big grand moment. Um, yeah. So I, I, um, barely registered the political and business stuff in the first couple of watches. I was crying a lot. I think they nailed the funeral stuff, um, almost to a T. Yeah. I think this is the most I ever cried during a succession episode. Like usually <laughs> I'll get like, I'll get like teary eyed, like, you know, single tear type of thing here and there. But, like, I was literally, like, weeping during this episode. Um, I know for some people that was, like, the Logan death episode. But for me, I don't know. Big, big, like, ornate funerals like that are, are they're a lot. And, uh, yeah, I, they let it rip, I think, really, with uh, the speeches and, and the conversations. So, yeah, very, very intense episode for me. It, it's It's very obvious in retrospect, how much this plays like a penultimate episode in the way that Brennan was describing. But in yeah. the actual experience of watching it, it felt it felt very uh not grandiose in a way that I appreciated. It felt it felt very like restrained, but uh they were also kind of having their cake and eating it too. Like I, I I think it was that they're playing a good balance between this being yeah. like they know they know how to yeah walk the line for sure oh yeah they also just said they like acknowledge the fact that like we're coming to an end but also we're not gonna make you know throw too big a you know kind of a lampshade on it uh right i i don't know i i really i really liked there are two sequences that i really loved but i think overall what i liked about this episode was that it's really solidifying kind of the spiritual death of everyone in the show like there is a real sense of like everyone's everyone's spirit is kind of evaporating and it's like now that the guy is in the tomb now that everyone said their <laughs> goodbyes everyone can let it rip in a way that's going to be very interesting to see in the next week i uh not to jump ahead too much but i do think uh, the, the the entire funeral sequence was outstanding and I think the way they filmed that was I think really interesting and cool but I think the entire sequence at the gravesite 
was the show for me because it's like very you have the great like divide between comedy and drama and the one of the things i love about succession is that they never feel going from someone like making a making a gag and having a kind of moment of clarity or a moment of pathos never feels incongruous and that was that entire like it was just like throwing heaters that entire sequence of just like a joke and then like a really rough line or like yeah <laughs> like like an absurd moment and like a very intense moment and then like and then you have like the the you know the 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 kind of like fist bump sort of like Kendall's coming back kind of moment like you have like it's running through it's like playing the hits in a way but they're playing the hits <laughs> in like in a different key and I I I really appreciated that yeah, the sort of jokes and the one-liners being the same as the very revealing moments you're talking about, like that great moment where Connor says he wouldn't say no to a top bunk in the <laughs> mausoleum, which is a hilarious way to phrase it, and it's so poignant that even in after his death, he's still trying to get close to his father, and Shiv has that line right before that where she says, what do you think, a chance to get to know him, right? Uh, <laughs> I also just it, like... It's so I, double-edged, yeah. I laugh so hard when like they're 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 lo like the, first of all the shot of the tomb and then the the reaction shot of jeremy strong just like appalled at this they're like what the hell is this what i loved so much about that was realizing that um that connor and logan had conversations about stuff like this that he didn't have with the other kids which is like you know you know you think about the connor logan relationship and and it's a little bit different and uh you know they they had however many years together before those other kids were in the picture and it's, it's just kind of a cute moment to, to to know that like i mean i know connor's sort of like into this kind of stuff it would be the kind of conversation he would broach cryogenics right he brings that back up this episode is throwback to the second episode of the series yeah, um, yeah but i liked that i liked i liked knowing that uh connor and logan talked about this stuff and the other kids had no idea oh i mean like i was talking about this with a friend of mine but like one of the nicer gestures that this season has ever done is kind of solidify that like the first pancake turned out the best. Like yeah. that's like the irony of like this unless like something crazy crazy happens in the finale, like Connor kind of won. Yeah, I mean, like I mean the most <laughs> the most healthy stable relationship from the least like uh, from the most uncertain place. Uh, right. Got a to, cushy government job, cushy yeah. Government job, like <laughs> isn't fucked up by his like the lack of love from his dad. He got to kind of just accepted it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he wants to have the top bunk. I just like that scene that the 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 bit that just made me lose it was when Connor's explaining the whole thing and he just like he just goes, oh, he got it for five mil, and then you you look at Kendall and he just takes it and he goes five mil he goes that's a good deal like he's like he's still like he's still like impressed deals all <laughs> like, deals. He's still impressed. <laughs> I'm just like my god one one last deal one last deal even in death oh yeah one last deal for the road yeah <laughs> it's a it's a, like a it's a boss skaggs alternate cut uh <laughs> but but I like what you say about it feeling like a spiritual death for all the characters and the funeral for me also really just feels like you know it feels like the end of an era you know, the, the changing nature of these characters and their relationship uh, to the world, you know, the, the signs of political instability that surround the funeral and Mencken's presence. Uh, you know, there's no more pretense of these characters being able to be apolitical or even, you know, so nominally left-leading like Shiv. She has to make a deal with the fascist uh, to get the money spot that she wants. 
you know, and there's that bit in the eulogy where Ken refers to Logan as someone who built things. He's talking about ships. It's like, Logan didn't build ships. That's not what he did. But <laughs> there's this thread there about, like, America transforming from away from being a manufacturing economy in a place where things actually get built, right, to a place where it's right. just a services economy and everything is made up and bullshit and complicated airflow. Uh, that's what gets made in the country. Matson has that great line at the beginning about how American democracy, which it seems to be imperiled under Mencken, is barely 50 years old unless you don't count the black people. Right. <laughs> that, that, no. sense of un, that sense of uncertainty over what's coming next, it's as, it is as strong as it has ever been in the series. And I think that this series is, is, is acknowledging that it can't really answer that question about like what comes next, except for the iterations in which it'll be you know, more of the same. For sure. I, I also just, uh, I really loved, uh, it's, it's an obvious point, but the one that it, it kind of clicked for me when I first watched it, which is really funny was that Kendall's speech goes into this whole thing of how like, you know, he goes and the money and he's talking about how money is like the lifeblood of civilization and it like created all these things. And the obvious part of that whole thing is that he's not talking about money. He's just talking about power. Like it's all a pretext power like you you everything he's describing is just like yeah. there are a lot of people with money but what you what you want is the clout what you want is the mm -hmm. fact that you can walk into a room and and always feel comfortable that's what you want more than right. that's what the money buys you and that's what you're you're kind of like mourning as as the country moves into an uncertain place right like you're not sure if that's gonna keep going so you have to hold on to whatever little bit you have yeah, and Logan had that ability to 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 walk into rooms and to command respect and to command uh people to make decisions, you know, in his image and and the kids don't have that no. skill. <laughs> well, it's also so much I... about guilt and shame and Logan's seeming capacity to just cast those things aside. That line in Ken's eulogy that really stuck out to me when he says that there wasn't a room he couldn't walk into you know, from the grandest palace to the lowest house where his news played. You think of the lowest house we ever saw Logan in. It was the house of the Dodds family that they went to in season two, where Logan had to sort of paper over the inconvenient fact of the accident that Kendall was involved in that claimed a life. And mm -hmm. Kendall was, of course, overwhelmed by shame and guilt. He couldn't face those people. And you feel even in death, he's, he, he envies that capacity that his father had not to feel those things. He wants right. some of that for himself, and that is a great bit of psychological insight that colors everything we see Kendall doing in this episode and in the preceding episodes this entire season to seize power for himself. As we've talked about so much with Shiv, power for these characters is not just feeling an emotional lack, it's a way of suppressing guilt that they feel, and it's that's a huge need that, that Kendall has. I, I would go so far as to say it's suppressing, like, all vulnerable emotion not just guilt because like where do we what do we get at the end of this where like kendall the light goes out as soon as they start packing up that funeral the light goes out of him and he's like going on this tear and then you know shivs makes that deal and sells out all the principles and roman goes to purposely get the shit kicked out of him it's like what is strength to these people is like both becoming fully yourself and to not give a shit about anything. It's to like absolutely cut off any strain of like relatable empathy, anything that can like connect you to a person who is, you know, 
inherited so much nonsense. Like it's to like close off all of that in order to like, you know, be the best killer asshole you can be. Right. Like, Yeah. I mean, even just like the, the sort of like jockeying with the eulogies, right? Like Roman gives his not <laughs> in the church, but we do hear it. Like we do hear his speech in his apartment. It's a quirky little speech. I think there's something that that distinguishes obviously Roman here from Shiv and Ken, where I think Shiv and Ken are like performing in a way at these eulogies. Um, yes, there's like the emotion is real and they miss him. Um, but yeah, Brendan and I were talking about it. Like they're they're basically both pitching here, also yeah. in a way. There are v- very important people yeah. in the room, whereas Romans to me. It felt like it made sense that it happened, you know, that he gave it by himself <laughs> to like to his mirror. Um, and his 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 speech was without caveats. You know, every other eulogy that was given had caveats about what kind of, you know, man Logan was. He was a brute. He wasn't good to women. Ewan's obviously it was <laughs> on another level with the caveats. But um, it's a good hard take. You know, Rome- for for Roman, I, I I loved I loved hearing him give that little speech in his apartment. I mean, it was it was weird and it wasn't appropriate for for a eulogy, and it was it kind of felt like you know this is not going to work out as soon as he started, you know, with the little like British accent and and strange language. But the way he ended the eulogy with talking about what dad built, and he actually mentioned some real things that his dad built, whereas Kendall's you know he's talking about ships. Um, you know, Roman's talking about um, the actual things that he built in media and then, you know, ends it with he was a great, great man. And and I think um, I just think every one of these speeches like corresponded so well to the characters. And, you know, we talk all the time about how well these writers know the characters. But um, this in a way, just just their last words to Logan Um you know, and and they also kind of reflected reflected a little bit the last words on the boat, um, and the way yeah. that that those 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 were caveated also, um, but not for Roman. Yeah. So 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 the whole thing, um, yeah, it's just uh, it, it feels well, very the... it felt felt very very true to everybody. Yeah, that's what's so poignant in part about Romans. Feel like there's a ton to unpack with what's going on with Roman in this episode. But yeah, he never finds the right words, right? He does. He doesn't say what he wanted to say on the boat. He forgets to say "I love you," and he can't even get that out in his speech yeah. either. Uh, it's and the 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 way he delivers that speech to himself, the rehearsed kind of vamping where he's like going yada yada yada, where it's like, okay, did you not write stuff in those sections? So you, you're literally <laughs> you just going just to be, go up yeah. and vamp at, at those at those points. Is that the idea? Like you yeah. just have like bullet points to cue you because you're such a great off the cuff speaker, clearly. Like that was very yeah. funny to be like, oh man, that's, it is probably for the best you didn't go through with it, but the alternative is uh, not ideal either. I, I also think it's interesting that like I, because you're also waiting for his comeuppance. Like the show never lets roman get to have like enough of a victory before there's some fall so he's like such a grimy piece of shit in that last episode like you want to just smack the shit out of him the entire time and then he's like up there doing this fucking like almost heath ledger in the joker vamping gar like uh, as the joker vamping garbage <laughs> a lot of people were pointing out joker oh is it, were they people were. Yeah. Joker. 
Oh, wow. yeah. Okay. I saw I saw a few. Yeah. So you weren't the, oh, you weren't okay. the only one who had that thought. Yeah. No, I was like, I you're thought doing, was so you're, interesting. You're doing the shit he does at that party or whatever. Like, I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, all right. And then he's in the car and he's being just like revolting about the, the, oh, the shift. Oh, my yeah. God. You're just like, all right, when is this guy getting kicked off the ladder? And it's like, of course, it's going to happen now. I'm like, I'd like, and it, it was great what it, and not, it wasn't great, but it was, it was very, I mean, it was, you know, he's a good actor. It's very upsetting and very kind of gnarly. But like, as soon as he got up there, as soon as he got up there, I was like, oh, this is, this is going to hell. And I think it's really funny you brought up the yada, yada, yada thing. Cause in my head, I was like, you're you're not Kendall. Kendall can actually get up there. Yeah, and even if he sounds cup. even even if he sounds kooky doing it, he can he can do it. No, yeah, yeah. I mean like there's there's nothing. Yeah, he like, did. He did improvise. He did speech, it. Right? Like yeah. and also he makes vacuity sound really impressive. Like it's mm, like it's yeah. a specific. And look, I'm a liberal arts major. Like making bullshit sound <laughs> sound good is a unique skill. And and boy, this guy's <laughs> got it. Like. And yeah, but like the thing I, I, I was talking with a couple friends of mine about Kendall's speech and what I think is really interesting about that one specifically is that it's very honest and very sincere. And that's kind of the problem is that like that's what kind of makes it both scary and also uh, a little amusing and a little eye rolly, but also just a little mostly frightening, which is that like he believes it. It's very yeah. it, it's very heartfelt. But what he's saying is also like what like you're he's also describing the rot. And I think what's kind of interesting right. about the show is that it 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 it's it's somehow pulled off having everything both ways, which I think is like really great. I, I really do, especially on the boat and especially here. You're right to make the comparison, which is that like they can't there's always caveats. Like none of these people got up there and were like, I love this man. He's a great man. And all of them were like, he is a brute. He, you know, he did all of that. Like they can't get it in themselves to like say, even at the funeral, you know, to give like the best spin on this guy. They can't do it. But whatever positive spin they give also feels so hollow, right? It's like you tried you know, like you tried or like uh, Shiv's favorite line. Yeah. I was like, all right. Yeah, you, were like, okay. you did. Yeah. Okay. You did. Okay. You did. Okay. You got up there and you said you did. Okay. And like, I understand that impulse. Like I understand saying sure, that and yeah. meaning it, but oh boy, does that not sound great? Like, it's like, you did. Okay. And like, he got up there and was like, he's a brute. And it was like tough. And, but like, you know, oh, he built shows and films. And I'm like, what the right. fuck are you just like, are you like, what are you saying? Like, but my favorite was uh was was Carl just like quietly disapproving, shaking his head at a uh, Roman falling apart at at the at the microphone, but... and then during your during Ewan's speech, he's like nodding his head, like shaking his head in such disapproval. It was so funny. There were a lot of little funny details going on in the uh... crowd there. Um. But yeah, yeah Carl, <laughs> Carl, the CFO, was not having the anti-capitalist spin at this funeral. Yeah, yeah. I was I like, was... why, why don't you, why don't you just let Frank speak? He's gonna be, he's gonna fucking nail it out of the park. He was also <laughs> the first person to ever toast Logan, and uh, you know, he's Shakespeare Frank. Like, just let this guy speak. He's, he's gonna give the best possible eulogy. But you know, I also, <laughs> I also died laughing when Roman tries to like do his little power play with Frank, and he's like, 
you know, at today of all days, he's goes like, yeah, sure. Life is short. Go on. Like, what are you here for? <laughs> life is short. We should all try to love each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> beautiful. beautiful Frank, delivery. Frank is such a saint. He's such a saint. He doesn't deserve these people. It also, <laughs> what's, so, what's so funny about this last season is that they're solidifying that the old guard has like been around so long that you really can't yeah. fuck with them. Like, like they, right. they, it is one of those. I things. mean, you you can, but like to to a degree, to a degree. they're <laughs> not like, taking it from these kids. They took it from Logan. They're they not going to take it from yeah. the kids. But it's just like it's like Logan was a almost a peer. It's like you know old. Right. What is the old buildings whores like? Eventually, they all become like respectable, and it's like at sub level, yeah. Frank, <laughs> Carl, and Jerry have become respectable compared to like the dipshits who are who are running the show, well, right? Carl like. <laughs> Carl's talking down to Kendall before the Living Plus speech is like one of my favorite scenes of the whole series. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we haven't gotten to catch up with you about what you've thought about season four, but I mean, we we love the C-suite stuff. I mean, I fucking live for it. Are you so. kidding me? This is incredible. <laughs> this, this is great. No. It's so great. If anything, yeah. I've, like, become, just... I've become more entrenched in like, this is actually really good. And like anyone who's like, people are really reaching to find it. You didn't think Logan... Logan's death was premature. Whoa. Brian Cox thought it was premature. He's well, upset. Well, I <laughs> an article very, just came out. What's very funny about that is that they clearly just lied to him. They were like, yeah, they clearly shot stuff that they're not doing on purpose. Like it's like they clearly yeah. just like, yeah, no. like, yeah. I, I don't remember the exact timeline, but it does. It seems like a lot of people didn't know for a while. Like it was, they kept a lid on it that, for that, sure. The rules, like it's, it is funny because. <laughs> They, I got, I got the first four in a batch and I, I got it like at a, there was like, it was, it was very timed. And from my schedule, I only, I basically watched them all in a row. And yeah, so the third episode hit and I think a lot, this happened with a lot of people I realized later, but like for about five minutes, I was like, there's no way. Like, I was like, he's not dead. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I was, I'm with you, too. I I, I couldn't believe like, it. Like, I was like, he's not. And it wasn't really until, like, when they're on the plane and Frank was like, they should talk to him. Where I was like, oh, okay. So this is like, oh, good. All right. Like, now this is. <laughs> now this is but, like, for about five minutes, I was like, this is such, like, th this is, like, the cruelest trick in the book. And then I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. So now, now this is what the season's about. I'm like, good, good. <laughs> yeah. But I wanted to stay on Roman and just unpack what's going on with him in this episode. I mean, what gets disrupted for him there is something that I think has been really key to their approach this season. Um, I think about, you know, just looking back at the season and highlight how much more determined and plotted this season is than previous uh, seasons of Succession have been. But within that, they always make room for things like trying to find in their approach the things that disrupt what seems carefully orchestrated from a certain point of view. The way that Logan dies is part of that. The very mundane nature of that death, the way that they mine drama from these just like blocks of communication, just these small impracticalities and the way that people receive like, you know, life and death news over these insignificant and unreliable forms of communication. They mine great drama out of that. And just the unpredictable reactions that people have and the just grief hitting people at unexpected or in, <laughs> inopportune moments. You know, that's what hits Roman here. Like we obviously we've seen him kind of melt down before, like his facade is already cracked quite a bit. Uh, but it makes complete sense that he wouldn't be able to to handle this moment and also that it would come out of him in a way that feels so like 
striking. Like I, I asked Gabby, cause you have more of a background in psychology than I do. If there is a word for that specific thing that seems to be happening to Roman, where he seems to be fixating on Logan, like being trapped in the casket somehow and asking if they can get him out. Like that's such a real, that's such a real feeling thing to me. Yeah. Um, they're gonna have to name it after Roman, yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah. I, I said maybe the Megan McCain complex. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure if there's a psychological term, but it's definitely something that's very common. I've been to a lot of funerals, unfortunately, and um, this does happen, you know, like it it doesn't. Roman seems to be, as always, you know, coping with humor. Um, The humor is getting a little more dark sided, as we saw. It's like veering towards the incest stuff where you're like, oh, God, like. You know, something's cropping up here from Roman's past and he's making jokes about it. But yeah, Roman, you know, he's always like very susceptible to being triggered by like the the corporeal, like bodily stuff is gross to him and, and, and uncomfortable. You know, even though he like went to go see Logan's body on the plane, you could tell it really affected him. And then he got the photo from Connor. Um, he's very uncomfortable in his own skin, you know, like we've always from season one talked about Colton's physical acting and, uh, the way he never seems to get comfortable. He's always jumpy. Um, and so I think seeing, you know, Lo- Logan's body, um, just in that box and I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of surprised that Logan didn't want an open casket again. I guess that, you know, probably had something to do with the show and the fact that it would have been <laughs> expensive or whatever to get like, a. a- a Logan dead body or whatever, but I, I expected there to be an open casket. I thought, and I thought that that would maybe yeah. make him fall apart. But even just even just looking at the coffin, um, you know, you can you can see it. Like the 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 direction of that, I thought was really was really good. Um, and 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 made you understand in real time what was happening to Roman that he was trying to speak, and you know, he he was all pompous and arrogant at the beginning of the episode, and and in the pre you know funeral conversations and then it's like that that wave of of utter reality hitting you that this is this is it like your father is in a box and that's that um but yeah you you could see you could see like roman's anger kind of like fomenting during you in speech and the way he responded to frank when frank is like are you okay son he's like i'm not your son you're like oh shit you know like this is gonna go really really poorly but um yeah i mean uh it was, well, it I mean, was... it's 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 the it's the worst thing that could happen for his plans, right? If he wants right. to impress everybody as Roman it looks the like an idiot in front of Macon at that funeral, like <laughs> other people pointed this out, but you're reminded irresistibly of like Johnny Sack crying in The Sopranos and Phil going, "My <laughs> estimation of John Sacrimoni as a man just fucking plummeted." Yeah, yeah. Like, that, yeah. like obviously that happens. Like the like to have the president of the United States like make fun of you to your face about that. Like, like the, call, what did the, he call him? It's like tiny tears or whatever. Tiny yeah. tears. Yeah, yeah. Did you say the Grim Weeper? Uh, the Grim, Grim Weeper, Weeper yeah. <laughs> oh my god, like awful, yeah. Uh, I saw a tweet that was like, <laughs> uh, Mankin saw Roman cry once and then decided he didn't want to fuck him anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, the Man- yeah, the Mankin stuff is a whole other conversation, what's going on with him in this episode. Uh, but yeah, I think we, we yeah. find out that, you know, uh, 
and uh, Justin Kirk kind of spoiled this in an interview I read where somebody, were, somebody asked him about, about that line where Roman says, oh yeah, Mencken says he'll kill the deal. And he was like, I was surprised to hear that line. I didn't know that. And I was like, oh, okay. So I guess that's a tip off that that's not going to actually pan out. <laughs> and indeed, it's, it seems like we find out that, that, that that was actually bluster, or at least that Mencken is uh, quite open to reconsidering the, the terms of whatever deal they had. Um, yeah. well, you know, what was the metaphor used? Like you're the sound system, and now you want to like play the track. Now you want to choose the track. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, oh, I love that. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I want to talk about that that final scene where Roman, yeah, he he goes into the crowd, you know, and all this stuff is happening around him, where there's like apparently video circulating of him at the funeral that that Ray took. Fucking Ray, as always, what a bastard. <laughs> yeah. Fucking frat boy what an asshole. asshole. Who does that? Yeah. Uh, and uh, but Carl like delightedly sharing it. <laughs> Carl Carl is the one who has like the the least amount of patience for these kids. You feel. Um, what does he say? He's he has... a he's like a sow who knows he's gonna get tasered or whatever. Uh... He's uh... awful, and Frank and Jerry, <laughs> Frank and Jerry are like, oh my oh, god. That's... Well, it's so funny too because really quickly, like Carl saying in the beginning of the episode that he's like, I miss him about Logan. It's like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Stockholm syndrome. You really? And Jerry's like, oh please, give me a fucking break. You miss him, like Carl. You were one of the victims of Boar on the floor, and like you miss this guy. It's so funny. He was um, the first yeah, one to no... pour scotch on the plane. Yeah, yeah. No, let's drink to him. Pop in the champagne. Yeah, uh, but yeah, the, it's but, heavily uh, fucking delayed. Uh, and Ken has that conversation <laughs> with Rome where he tells him, you know, you fucked it, which is uh, that's a, almost a reverse of what uh, Robin says to him in the uh, in the season three finale, where he's talking about uh, Ken's takeover yep. bit, and he says you fucked it. It's a reversal, yeah. but it's also incredibly Loganish, right? The way that he just says it, mm -hmm. and he's very condescending and passive aggressive to him. The way he says, "I blame myself," you know, for not stopping you. Um, and he like kind of like pats him on the leg, and uh, that's yeah, that's absolutely too much for for Roman to take. He really has a strong emotional response to to Ken telling him that, and uh, yeah, wandering outside and just asking to get what trampled on, hurt, killed, maybe. I don't know what you guys thought of this. I mean, it seems to me to like you know we're you were mentioning Gabby, the episode really seems to be escalating the complexes that are always present with Roman, like the, the sort of sexual jokes he makes to Shiv, like really escalate. They get really explicit and aggressive and like very out of line. And that they did the same thing at, towards the end of season three, when Roman was similarly riding a high. So maybe this is just something that comes out when he's feeling really full of himself and it just means he's due for a fall. But I don't know. I mean, the, this is a pretty dark place that the episode leaves him in. And I mean that Roman is really the character I have my eye on going into the finale. Cause you know, we kind of have an idea of what Shiv's going for and Kendall going for. It really seems like if it's going to be one of the kids, it's going to be one of them. And Roman's chance is pretty much shot at this point. Cause nobody seems to have much confidence in him and how he copes with that in the state that he's in. I don't know. It's pretty scary. Yeah. I mean, like, Kendall and Shiv, as we've talked about, they you know, they've been able to compartmentalize the grief a little bit more effectively, um, and you know they both have their eyes on maneuvers. Like they're both very very business motivated. Roman is not like even at the end when I think uh, Kendall comes up to him and he's like to 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 Roman on the couch and he's like we're gonna have to and Roman's kind of like Ugh, like do we have to like he's so tired of this I think and. Uh, but he, you know, he he doesn't know what else to do. Um, dad was his anchor, and he's gone. And dad was also his abuser, and and Roman identified with his abuser. It's a common dynamic in in kids who are abused, and he's not 
able to really individuate himself. Um, you know, he needs his father very badly. Clearly, he's flailing without him. And that, and this, you know, he's he's been taking losses for a couple episodes. And this speech was supposed to be the thing that was, you know, to give him a little boost. And he, you know, just absolutely botched it. And um, yeah, I think this episode was actually pretty generous in giving us some lore about, um, you know, biographical details that they've sort of dropped throughout the series about Logan and, and, and his sister and some other things. Um, and they went there and they, they, t- they told us some stuff. And so the, the Roman abuse, uh, psychosexual incest sort of through line throughout the series, it feels like they might be like it's on the tip of somebody's tongue that at this point, you know, that it's going to come out. Um, and, and, and I think, um, if they're going to be in the business of, of, you know, kind of giving us these treats of this lore of Sally Ann and, and Rose and Ewan and Logan's childhood, um, you know, maybe they're going to give us a little bit more information about what happened to Roman and why he's like this. And, um, yeah, it's weird that I, I, because I never really had much like personal connection to the Roman Jerry stuff while it was first happening, but. I don't know, it became really intense for me this season. Like their heated conversation in Living Plus is like one of my favorites ever. And I, you know, I'd love to see some like final moment between them. Um, but I also understand that she needs to leave and she needs to protect herself. And this episode um, was pretty edifying in the sense that a lot of it was about women in this world who are seeing their way out. They're getting out. Rava. Rava's daughter, I mean, she's Kendall's daughter too, but she's really Rava's daughter, Jess, Jerry. Uh, this is the only method that we have ever identified as a way to avoid whatever it is, um, you know, that Logan wrought in the world is, is, is getting out. Um, so, so yeah, it's, Roman is really, really needs a parent badly. Um, you know, even during uh, his speech, you know, they pan to Caroline and she looks upset, but she, you know, she doesn't go and console him. Uh, Marsha glares at her for that. Like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Like, your fucking kids have p- put my husband through so much hell. Like, and this is why they're fucked up. Like, go hug your son. I, I loved that moment yeah. from Marsha, just gla- glaring at Caroline. Um, so yeah, Roman is Roman's a little bit of a wild card here. Uh, he's not doing well, and I think him going into the protest was um, his beaten dog syndrome. You know. He he loved to get beat up by Logan figuratively and literally. Like he needed it. Um and again, this is just somebody who is continu- is continuing to identify with their abuse um because they, you know, they have not sorted through it and dealt with it. And so he needed to go get punched in the face. Um and, you know, there was obviously like a you know, there's there's the political undertone to it where he's like defending dad, like, you know, fuck you guys and this was my president and I picked him. Um, but Roman, you know, in it, that's, that's where his darkness takes him. Um, whereas the other ones it's, it's backstabbing and maneuvers and this and that, um, you know, Roman is just a lost boy and all he knows is pain really. <laughs> I mean, sorry to be like so melodramatic, no, no, but, it's true. um, it's true. <laughs> and then this is why he, co- this is why he copes so intensely with humor and then why, um, you know, the, the disgusting incest jokes, start to like you're you're like wait this is this is not just like a normal sense of humor there's something deeper going on here i mean it's funny i i have a lot of 
I have some thoughts about this. I have a friend uh, who's also named Brendan, uh, and uh, for this purposes, I'll call him Mother Brendan. But uh, he was he was we were talking about this, and he was like, "That's maybe like the ending of this episode was like the best way to like almost send off the character in a way." He's like, "I know he's coming back, but it's just like him basically being enveloped in darkness." getting the shit kicked out of him, asking to get the shit kicked out of him and getting what he wants. It's almost like, again, it's like, I, I keep going back to this, but it's like the episode where the light goes out of all of them on some level where it's just like, he's, yeah. he's now a wild card, as you said. And like, I can absolutely see him in this next episode, like trying to tank everything, uh, becoming like full edgelord nihilist, whatever the corporate version of that is. And just kind of like if he's not getting anything, then neither are Shiv and Kendall, and I'm gonna make sure of that kind of thing. I could see that happening, but more to the point, I, it was very interesting to me that, uh, well, there's a there was a discussion that was had amongst you know certain people with the election episode where I I had a, I had a couple of colleagues who were like, it's a little, it seemed they they were kind of a little, they felt a little weird about they thought it was a little inconsistent the way like Roman would kind of like fall back on this very like alt-right kind of uh, dialogue or whatever. They were, they were like, I know a couple people who were like, I don't know if I buy that he would do the blacks and Jews line. Like, I don't know if I buy like, a lot. but to me it was like, what I always said was that he's an opportunist, right? Like his dad was this way. He wants to impress his dad from beyond the grave. He follows the money. Yeah. This is where the money is. It's like, I don't believe any of them believe any of that shit, but they'll say what they need to right. say in order to get where they need to go. And, totally. and it's the same thing with the denial, right? His denial, like even when they're getting the stuff on the boat, he's like, well, we don't know he's dead. We don't know he's dead. Like we don't like, there's no doctor who's seen yeah. him, blah, blah, blah. And I think he didn't really, he wasn't really dead until he saw the coffin. And I think it's interesting right. that I, even seeing the body, it seems didn't, like didn't, didn't do it fully do it for but him. <laughs> I, I actually don't know about this. And I, I think I read something about this, but I have no idea. I don't have any background in this, but I do think from what I understand, that's why part of the reason why people have an open coffin, open casket, excuse me, because that's counterintuitively comforting to see them in there and to kind of like, yeah, really. Sure. Yeah. Really like kind of, uh, they also, yeah, they also make them look yeah. nice, and yeah, it's like they're a good a good seg to talk about six feet <laughs> under. If anybody wants to watch a show about a weird family that r runs and operates a Riddle funeral home. home, it also has provided some inspiration for succession. Sure, yeah, um, they missed an opportunity yeah. for a crossover. <laughs> but yeah, though no, that that's that's a good point, Vic. Yeah, like there, it's I, I've. I've seen, yeah, I mentioned that I've, you know, been to open casket funerals with my own relatives in the casket, and um, there is something weirdly comforting about it. Um, it's nice, because it's you know? Because like, you don't and think it, it's, they're trapped in there. They're, like, sleeping in there. I think that's, like, the difference, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting, um, yeah. But I also think that, like, God, knowing Logan, the stuffiest, oldest windbag alive, there's no way... 
he was gonna have like i don't even know what religion this was but people looking at but him this was yeah. like, it, it was, was catholic, catholic yeah it was like I, okay all right it was it was they they, they, they skipped some of the shortcut liturgical they, stuff they shortcutted yeah. the actual like right of the funeral that's mass. what i saw it, re- yeah. it really it really just played like a protestant service like you saw the procession with the with the priest yeah. and stuff but like they they're there really was nothing else Catholic that we saw. It really just seemed like a procession of eulogies. That's what I was saying to to in the to Vivaldi Brendan, instead like, of like a traditional hymn. Exactly. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where where's the organ? Like, there's like these happy strings. I mean, I know Logan planned out his own funeral, so it's like what he wanted. But yeah, I mean, the 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 Catholic stuff is a little bit usually more fr- fire and brimstone. This was sort of just like everybody walked down the aisle, okay, and then the speeches start. Um, but yeah, it, it, Logan was Catholic, and and um. He has been canonically Catholic for since what season well, one? The, maybe, no, it's actually, it's in no, season one pity. where he has that he has that conversation where he yeah, says the, you know, Shiv. about Shiv's wedding. Yeah, because Shiv didn't have a Catholic wedding. Catholic yeah. wedding. He said, "Yeah, too bad it wasn't Catholic. Pity it wasn't Catholic." And then he calls himself a good Catholic lad in the season two finale. Yeah, he's Catholic Scottish boy. Um, Scottish, yeah, interesting. Scottish by Catholic. way of Canada, by way of America, by <laughs> right. The the burial, if anything, felt a little bit more Catholic to me. That that um yeah you know the the you know and, and i was paying attention to like who was doing the sign of the cross sorry if you're not catholic and you know what that means no. <laughs> brendan and i were both raised catholic in our laps but um yeah i was like paying attention to who was doing the sign of the cross and none of the kids did it jerry didn't do it but greg and his mom did it which i thought was interesting um i i, I mostly just and- i mostly just brought it up because like whatever whatever religion it was i i assumed catholic but i was like i was i was because it wasn't hardcore, I was a little confused. But I was it like, was not right. hardcore. I was no. like, I was like, but it's it's yeah. not jihadi Catholic, right? It's like Catholic light. Yeah. Like it's very. Like, <laughs> uh... Yeah, I mean, to I don't know if we're jumping all over our outline, know, but just I'm to so talk sorry. about the no, no, no. <laughs> okay. This is how it always goes. Uh, to talk about formalism corner and the way they direct the funeral, like obviously, in yeah. that if you watch the post show featurette with Mark Mylotter, he talked about having to shoot the funeral scenes on a very compressed schedule because they only had like two days and change uh, to shoot at St. Ignatius Loyola. Um, they basically uh, took that approach of running a continuous take as they have uh, for a couple of other scenes this season, most notably in the Connor's wedding episode with the call scene. And they just set up four cameras around the church to like, you know, get close-ups, to get reaction shots, to get crowd shots. And we're constantly cycling them out, and they just ran the whole thing as they just ran that funeral service, you know, as as a continuous block from the the moment the casket is brought into when it's brought out, um, and that creates this really intriguing effect where you know I know that some people express some quibbles with some of this direction, you know, they're because you're shooting in a way to maximize coverage that gives the director a little bit less control about how to frame and compose things. Uh, but it creates, I think, you know, the thing that has always been the most important thing for this show is it creates that emotional immediacy and momentum for the actors who are always the priority on this show. And I really, for one, like the effect of how it seems like time moves differently once the the actual funeral starts. Like all those scenes beforehand, you're moving around different people. It feels very succession e. And then once that once the casket's brought in, all of a sudden you're dropped into this. And it is very much, you know, it felt to be realistic in a way that 
when those moments happen in real life, you know, you may be mingling with your friends and your family outside and you're making jokes to disarm and to suppress the grief and the things that you might be afraid of feeling. But then once it starts, you're, you're in it and you're like trapped in that pew and you can't get out of it. And so you're just mm -hmm. in it with those characters. I thought that was so striking and it felt to me quite proper and true. No, for sure. I also think the reaction shots stuff is like, I, I, I think that as you know, I'm not breaking new ground, but the show is a very sitcom influence. And like, yes, like the reaction shot stuff is like very classic, like very British sitcom, like keeping like just staying in the moment, even when it's way too uncomfortable, but filtered through a very dramatic uh, concept. Right. But I, I, the two reaction shots that are great are Caroline like shaking her head when when Kendall's like, oh, you know, you know, he made us. He and she was like, get the, you know, mm -hmm. like, whatever. And there's another guy, and when he's in the midst of his like, money is the civilist, you know, and it, there's the the African American guy who's like, look, he's like, what the hell? Like you see him being like, this is so full of shit, and it's like one of the great moments of people in the crowd who are there who also are self-aware enough to know who this guy was and the parts of whatever speech are true and the parts that are just like, you know, a gas bag. But then the obviously great right. thing is when Yuen is talking about the the two brothers who are only speaking with their eyes and then there's the cut to the to the two of them, right? To to Oh, that's oh, the, God. Oh, that's Heart one of the best shots cuz yeah, cuz that that shot after Yuen mentions, we can talk about Yuen's eulogy a bit too cuz it's important while we're talking about the funeral. Um when he's talking about that experience he had with Logan as a young child fleeing uh, Dundee during the Blitzkriegs in World War II, and the engine on their boat stalled, and they had to stay just perfectly silent in the hole for fear that the U-boats would get them. And it cuts to a two-shot yep. of Roman and Kendall, their faces, they're listening quite intently, silent, and the camera rocking gently. Yep, rocking gently. Side to side. Uh, so good. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. That's, yeah, that's well done. Yeah, people don't like the direction yeah, of this. Sense. Clowns. Uh, <laughs> clowns. This is ridiculous. Well, this is the same thing that they did in Connor's wedding, right? Like, this is where I'm less well-versed, but it was the same, same it's idea, a little, right? It's a little bit different. I mean, like, yeah, they did shoot continuously, but it's not this quite the same thing of, like, coverage in the sense that, like, you don't have, like, a crowd you're reacting yeah. to. It's much. It's a much more intimate dance they're doing right. in that scene with just a couple of... I think they only had two operators in those scenes, whereas they were working with four in this, and they had many more elements to kind of track. Um, so they were much more kind of like locked into fixed positions there. Yeah, they weren't also like hiding canisters of film behind stuff to like. Right. Like right. there's a, there's that a part, whole yeah. like is a little different. Right. Yeah, yeah, right, you're right. You're right. right. Yeah, they're 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 able to mostly yeah. keep the cameras in the same position. But I also time. I also think like the difference between the two sequences is that like the genius of the the whole Connor's wedding thing is that they shot it very traditionally and then they did it in one go and they use most of the takes that they did in one go, but it's like, it's a different energy because that they've done it already. And it's kind of like, here's one for us. Yeah. Let's just do it. In one. And that kind of gives the whole thing of, uh, I don't know. It, yeah. Like that was, I, it's I, the, you know. it's the classic succession, you know, improvised thing. Or it's like, well, let's just try a weird one. Let's just yeah. try one where yeah. we throw out a line. Let's try one. That's just for us. And that being, you know, where the sort of ineffable magic right. of the show comes from. Speaking um, a couple other things I liked about the, just quickly about the church, <laughs> uh, when, when we 
look out. You see, like, Sandy in his wheelchair in the aisle, and his head just kind of, like, flopped over again. Just, like, <laughs> reminded me of Honeymoon States. Uh, just, like, what did Megan Abbott say? Very, very gothic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. That's yeah. just the face just he makes. Just, like, <laughs> yeah, that he's, yeah. Um, also, there was a sweet moment where... Um, when Roman is coming back to the pew, Connor, like, we, we're, it's, we're behind the boys and Connor reaches his arm out and kind of, like, um, you know, gently, like, swipes uh, Roman's back. And it, it's sort of, like, done. They, they slow it down a little bit. It's really cute. And um, <laughs> and then also a moment when Shiv is talking about, in her eulogy, how they used to play outside Logan's office. There's a sweet moment where Roman is in between Connor and Kendall and, and Connor and Kendall both kind of look in and they make sort of like a little half circle, like all yeah, the, like, yeah. like little children, like remembering that, like remembering what it was like to like play outside at dad's office and getting yelled at. Um, that was, that was, that was cute. We've already unpacked Ken's eulogy a bit. So let's talk a little bit about, about Ewan and Shiv's. Um, Cause we talked about how Shiv is positioning to, I guess, right. And the, she gives what feels like a very honest appraisal of how she felt as Logan's daughter and talking about, you know, how hard it was to be in that position of being his only daughter, being a woman, he couldn't fit a whole woman in his head with the sort of subtext. It's like, and wouldn't it be a great opportunity to correct that by, by, by <laughs> giving me the company? Um, <laughs> that's a hundred percent. Very subtle shit as usual. <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, but Ewan really gets James Cromwell gets the money spot in any series where you have a character just, straight up say what the thesis of the show is like his speech is very like florid and it's very like majestic and grand and the language and Cromwell is like the perfect person to deliver it but I think most of what he says is pretty much just straightforwardly what the writers think what Jesse Armstrong thinks about the show in terms of like yeah. Logan's impact on the world like the impact that people like Logan have on the world and where it comes from and how that reverberates out and uh and the evil that that is and I think that it the other sort of TV convention here is that you put this speech in the mouth of someone whose motivations are not quite pure, so that there is a, perhaps a little bit of reason to doubt it. Um, you know, in The Sopranos, it was like AJ who would say this stuff, and it was all mixed up in his sort of like adolescent questioning of the world. And Ewan has all this bad feeling bound up against his brother, his resentment at having to sort of live off his dime for so long, the backstory that he went to Vietnam and Logan didn't. Um, and so it seems like, you know, to kind of, you know, suppress his childhood trauma, you know, Ewan pursued this path of like righteousness in his personal politics and his personal, like almost Protestant ethic uh, that, that Logan did not. Uh, but at the same time, I think that, you know, Cromwell's own perspective, you know, because everything he says is pretty close, I think, to what Crom <laughs> Cromwell, the actor who's, quite active politically right. thinks in real life. You know, I heard him give interviews where he basically just elaborated on this speech and uh, it, he's, he comes off pretty righteous. It's a great scene. Yeah. I mean, like I, I thought this Ewan speech was very, it was very interesting. Um, I like that he had, well, first of all, we got the lore finally about Rose, which we weren't sure we were going to get. Um, and it ended up being just, so tragic in its simplicity right like like it, it's been built up for a couple seasons now that logan has blamed himself for his sister's death um and and maybe in our minds we imagine some you know absolutely horrible 
tragedy, but it turns out that Logan just went to boarding school and um got polio and brought it back and Rose was a baby and she died and he blamed himself. Um which was like just like very, very gutting. Again, and and you know, they're 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 bringing in for for them to finally give us like the Rose lore, I think, um is big and it's like <laughs> I feel like we've worked for it. And um you know, it makes me think that um there are going to be other reveals in the finale that are going to be really, really gratifying, edifying for people who have been watching forever. Um, but I, I do like that that Ewan had the self-awareness to to recognize that there's a meagerness in him, too, because I think this is really important to Ewan's character, because we know that he's not completely clean. And even Cromwell himself um, has said, while he was adamant about his character having a moral center, that it doesn't really matter. You know, he still has benefited from the rot. Um, and I thought it was interesting that they brought Marianne, Ewan's daughter, Greg's mother, back for this um, because it, it, it prompted an interesting conversation about Ewan. I, I saw online a little bit um, about how Ewan is maybe terrible for letting Greg suffer like he did at the beginning of the series, right? He's like sleeping in the church um he clearly is just like he's walking around like this broke kid and meanwhile he's got this like multi-billion dollar grandpa um and then also forcing him to be responsible for his mom after Ewan cuts his mom off like clearly there is a there's a weird uh sort of dysfunctional dynamic with the money here with Ewan and his daughter and his grandson um you know I'm sure that Mary you know we don't know what the dynamic was with Marianne. It seems like he might've been pretty awful to her, but um, letting your grandkids suffer is pretty shitty, you know, like, uh, so, so I think that there's a point here, but we've discussed and, and maybe we've discussed this in past seasons that I've forgotten, but I think we've always understood Ewan to be like flawed and corrupted and very miserly. Um, you know, obviously we're given a little bit more insight into, into Ewan and Logan's childhood here. You know, there's all, clearly a lot of trauma um, and neither learned to cope particularly well. And where Logan, you know, sought power and, of you know, decadence, Ewan sought righteousness. And, and they both succeeded to varying degrees, I guess. But um, it, it actually makes me think of Greg's sort of moral hollowness and striving in a totally different way. It seems like um, Marianne and, you know, incurred trauma from Ewan's sort of like petty tyranny and pass that along to her son, the way that they're both shaking their head in disgust during his speech uh, gives some indication into who Marianne is and how she thinks of her father. And then in turn, you know, there's this weird codependency between Marianne and Greg. And I think Greg, um, it makes sense that he, you know, that, that if uh, there was this sort of like financial, um, you know, abuse i don't want to say abuse but it's like to be a billionaire and to have your kid you know to cut your kid off or whatever i mean i don't know we don't know what's going on with marianne but there's something there um and i think it gave a little bit more insight into maybe why greg is the way he is right this is is very interesting i i i I don't know if i ever thought about it this way but i i because we never we never get anything about marianne we also don't know anything about you and marianne's mother who you and you know who you and had children no, no, no. we have we know absolutely nothing there's never even been an illusion so you know, we know that the marianne ewan relationship 
was obviously, uh, you know, they're obviously very close and, and something fucked up was going on there in their dynamic. And it's interesting because, you know, Marianne is the, you know, same generation as Kendall Shiv, you know, um, Roman, we, you know, it's, it's cousin Greg, cousin Greg, but, you know, it, actually it's cousin Marianne. Greg is Marianne's, you know, right. Kid. So. No, I, I mostly meant the discussion of Ewan because it's very interesting to me. Uh, yeah. Because, like, I always viewed him as, like, the the Jewish psychiatrist, psychiatrist in The Sopranos, like, the one who's, like, the cold <laughs> dose of truth and all this. And I guess you're right. Like, I, I, I agree with, like, about 90% of what you said. Like, I you are – he is benefiting. He is part of their meal ticket. Like, there is no way that he's not kind of – part of the the money scheme involved he and 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 yes the i never thought about the cutting off of the kids is like yeah that is cruel 100 percent, like without a doubt like there is a cruelty there but i think within the the matrix of these people it, it he's maybe the only one who has a certain amount of clarity about or at least can speak to the clarity of like the yeah the, he, I mean, he, he understands like, it yeah. of like what, and sometimes it's funny. Like I remember there, I forget what season it was, but when he, oh, it's when he's funny, talking yeah. to Greg and he's like, "There's an argument to be made that like what yeah. he's been, <laughs> what he's done with the climate change deniers that he's worse than Hitler." I was surprised at how measured it was. Like, in, if anything, it felt yeah, it, it felt very generous given his perspective, and it felt very self aware about how. You know, that I think the bit the bit that got me was when he goes, I think it's in me too. He's like, I I'm I know it's in me too, but like I try. I try not to. And he stopped trying. I thought it I thought that's oh, what it was about. Was it it was about being about being cheap. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I don't I don't know. Uh, yeah. But um But no 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 I it's interesting how, how the two of them like they went in their separate they went their separate paths. They incurred the same trauma, but they they you know, they navigated it differently, very, very oh, differently. For sure. And Ewan, Ewan has always had a grudging respect for Logan as much as he thinks that he's awful and disgusting. Like, you think back to the vote of no confidence. He was like, fuck you, Kendall, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Again, like, he, no matter how much, like, uh, distaste he had for Logan, um, it's not like he was buying his kids' antics either. No, um, no, no. Well, he doesn't like any of them. <laughs> I mean, like, which is... No. But, I mean, like... <laughs> He doesn't, and, he doesn't really seem to like anybody and, at yeah, all. But no, I also I also died laughing when he got up there. And the first things out of his mouth are like, "What kind of people wouldn't let their brother speak yeah. at a funeral for the sake of a share?" The first thing out of his mouth, and like you just cut to Roman, like, "God damn it, dude! Like what? Like, yeah, like he's finally like, fucked. Like, yeah, uh, I have to follow this what? now, like." Well, it cuts to it cuts to Roman glaring at Greg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're so they're so mad at Greg yeah. for not, as he says, taking his knees out. Taking his knees. I mean, you. I mean, Ewan is like a complicated character within the show for me because I've always felt that that first episode where he appears, the Thanksgiving episode, yeah, Thanksgiving. for me, is like the weakest episode after the pilot because a large, in large part, because they haven't really figured out who Ewan is or what he's doing on the show yet. And Crowell has also talked about how. He kind of radically altered the direction of that character by insisting that uh, Ewan would have more of a sense of morals than perhaps he was originally right. conceived to have and bringing him more in line with his own political views. So the character has morphed over time to be a little bit more of an avatar for like the actor 
in in some sense. But I think yeah. it's also interesting the way that as you both are talking about teasing out the way that Ewan has this money but kind of resents having it, and it almost drives him mad. This just being reminded that he's that he's profiting from this apparatus and having to compensate for that in some way, whether it's taking it out on the people around him, on his family, or just by directing that inwards into that weird. Exactly. I, I don't know. I actually just thought on a prose level, like his speech was very beautiful. I thought it was very like, it was, yeah, it's it a was, great piece it of writing. Really. It was a great piece of writing. It's very like quasi Shakespearean. Like it's very kind of like mm-hmm. this lovely sort of, and again, I mean, I I'll say it again. Like it's very measured. Like he talks about the the childhood, and I remember the, the my only remember of the rose thing was like at the the shareholder meeting, right where he goes like, well, you know, that actually wasn't your fault. Like I know that's like you're you're killing. That was at the end of uh, Dundee, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. Goes, yeah, yeah, that's one of the mentions of Rose. Like, yeah, that wasn't your fault. Like I know you're that that actually wasn't your fault. The rest, but the of, rest of this shit, and yeah. Like, the way, and the way he describes it is one of those great things where it's like, you know, I I I've come to loathe the word trauma. I've I've just come to loathe it as a. As, it's as hard, a yeah. But it's it's become, it's, but you know, it's also yeah. real, obviously. But like. Just right. the way he describes it, right? Where it's like he came back and the baby got sick and she died. And he just goes, but my aunt and uncle never disabused him of the notion that he didn't. And it was like, well, where does this come from? It like, it's pretty, all pretty it's heartbreaking. Like, yeah, it's absolutely terrible. And again, more of just like the thesis, thesis of the show, just like being stated throughout points in this episode um that that was that was one of, that was one of them for me just like that is the rot it's just he, like he, he narrowed down through whatever he narrowed men's imaginations or i'm i'm fucking up the line but yeah. that 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 whole bit no it was beautiful he says he has drawn in the corners of the world yeah yeah that's the phrase i love yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 i mean it was a, a beautiful send-off for you and i think the character uh i think maybe the, the guest actor emmy might be a lock just for that speech alone, it was really, really. Powerful. He also tweeted about it right in support of the WGA, which I thought was very funny. He yeah. was just like, he's yeah, like, yeah. he's like, I gave a speech recently. I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, very cute, like, very right, cute. <laughs> yeah, no, no. He's, Cro- he's, Cromwell's he's, he's an enjoying OG. It. Yeah. He goes back. Yeah. We should talk about the other Roy kids, I think, before we get yeah. Too let's 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 into this let's talk a little bit about uh, Kendall in the beginning of the episode and his two back to back awful scenes with the wi- the women in his life oh you mean his yeah. his, his those, are, uh, those are those are his important. charm offensive uh well he really was just like <laughs> god you know what a sexy yeah. man <laughs> yeah <laughs> love this guy <laughs> typical kendall you know getting this call from rava that she's going to be taking the kids upstate because um we're meant to believe that there's been like a bunch of violence overnight political violence we see uh, like stores being boarded up, which was a thing that happened in New York in in 2020 during the the Black Lives Matter protests. Um, but you know, it it did feel like a little bit odd that that it was just that it was happening right after an election. Very quick, um, like the morning after, yeah. Very very quick, yeah. But um, yeah. So so Rava's taking the kids out of the city. Typical Kendall. He tells Vicrette to get to Rava's in three minutes. He'll take care of the fines. He's got this angry look on his face. You know, it's going to be awful. Um, and the, that whole interaction was just very dark, but but very true to like this kind of uh, divorce situation where the custody hasn't really been ironed out. Um, the threats about the custody, it's like classic abuse. Um, 
you know, it, it's kind of striking to me that for a show about a family that none of Logan's grandchildren are there, you know, except for Shiv's fetus. Um, but, you know, Sophie and Iverson are, they're old enough to have decided if they wanted to go to their grandfather's funeral. They obviously didn't, you know, Araba, I, I, I think she wanted to get out of the city but you know those kids are teenagers and if they wanted to go they would have go but they don't know him you know they're scared of him and and they don't know their dad either and they're um you know that that whole scene where Kendall's like I'm gonna stand in front of your car and then he kind of just like meekly like walks to the side it's like so so low just such such a dark point and Raba is so much nicer to him than she has to be like as always um, like the kids didn't even want to get she, out of the well, car and see him. Well, she treats him like you would treat somebody who's insane and like yes. can't really be reasonable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> she knows. I mean, she knows the deal. Like, and she's tired. She's fucking tired. Like, I'd be tired too. And you Na- know, Natalie yeah. Gold is like a a great actress. I don't know. Generally, she's she's, she's so like great. she's like nuts. Yeah. And I just love the way where like you know it's like again this is just like the lowest like it's 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 a level of it's infuriating, but it's also very pathetic, right? Where he's like, I'm going to go to the city and get an injunction. Like, he, like, like, <laughs> what the f- like, yeah. And she's like, and her response to that, like, through tears is like, okay. She's like, okay. Go, yeah. go do that. Go <laughs> do that. Like, you yeah. Lunatic. Well, because, because right before that, he says the thing to Fikret, like, I need to be at Rava's in three minutes. I'll figure out any fines or violations. Just get me there, right. which is so reminiscent of episode six, where he does the same thing with, like, trying to get the helicopter so he can be there for the yeah. board right. meeting. Yeah, yeah. He and cannot conceive of the tra- fact that constraints that exist for ordinary Const- people well, exist cons- for him. Constraints that, <laughs> well, yeah, constraints that exist outside his control, but also just trying to find levers you can pull to confront the problem of, like, your loved ones are fleeing you because you're a bad person <laughs> and you do bad things. Yeah. You know, like, that's <laughs> and that that scene is followed up by that, uh, which you refer to in our outline, Gabby, as a breakup between Jess and Kendall. And uh, it was a breakup. <laughs> it feels it feels like a breakup. It's 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 funny because yeah, Jess is like the number one woman in uh, in Kendall's life, obviously. And uh, I was just well, think- yeah, just thinking about the whole history of like what we've seen with their relationship. You know, I think Canfield, Juliana Canfield, who plays Jess, has said in interviews that she believes Jess cares about Kendall, and I think it's probably similar to that mixture of kind of loathing and also little boy pity that baby girl instinct that people have about the character <laughs> to kind of mother him in some way it's also like the classic thing of like let's not talk about this now and she's like she's like please yeah. not today like i i really don't want to talk about it and he's like but he's like, he's like well, well I'm gonna be yeah thinking but now about i'm gonna be thinking yeah, about like it <laughs> and it's like i i whatever forcing I, the conversation I, yeah. then getting pissed off at her for having right it, yeah. i i and then getting yeah and then getting pissed yeah, at her for I, having I, it, yeah i know that and dynamic. some of the things he said <laughs> Uh, it's awful yeah no no it, it it is so reminiscent of, of like a breakup it's like we need to talk but it's like okay not now but actually kendall's such an anxious person you know and that, that he's not gonna be like let's talk about it later um and jess is so important but to it, him that that you know I, he he kind of almost got the sense that she, that that was was coming and then he handled it okay for a set like a, a few seconds and then the pivot was just it's, well, it's just it's just kind of it's just kind of ridiculous chess like yeah. if you feel sorry then maybe you shouldn't do it maybe you shouldn't do it i've given you 
extraordinary access. Where else are you going to no, get the, that? The, like, oh, the my The worst God. part about all of that is at the end where he's like, you know, good timing. I was like, fuck you, man. Really? Like, she thought about the timing. <laughs> that, that's, that's what I was saying to Brendan. Yeah. yeah I was like, a, she literally did not want to have the conversation with you. But, yeah. It's a classic. But, um, it's a classic, very juicy succession scene where somebody just responds to something in the most childish way possible. Oh, of because of people. These people have no shame at all. But also, it's a great. Well, he tells her that she's she's being juvenile. It's like, it's so funny. Like, you're being dumb. Just you're being like, fucking off. dumb. Every, everybody's being fucking yeah. dumb. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, no, it's also a great bookend to uh, her scene with Greg in the in the election episode, which I loved. That scene was like outstanding where they're just like, oh, yeah. yeah. He's like, I got to go tell them. And they're both kind of like sick about it. They're like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, you know, and it's like, I think about like, Greg, like I think, must have been. Well, I don't, I don't know how sick Greg is. Well, about it, I mean, but... he's like, but I just think about how like Greg, like back in season two or whatever, was like, well, I don't want to be part of like ATN. They're like a toxic part of the culture, and now he's like uh, toxic, toxic element. And he's yeah. like fully ensconced, in it, and he's <laughs> like, yeah, I gotta tell them, and she's just sitting there like, oh, like, all right, like, what are you gonna do? And he's like, I, I guess I, I, I guess I'll wait, you know. And he's just like, there's this like really awkward dance that they're doing where they're like. It's like, oh, we're getting this actually yeah. from the perspective of uh, the laborers, <laughs> the real, the real laborers. Right. Like, it's it's been it's been cool to get some perspective from Jess. I wish we could have had more throughout the series, but but um, you know, Canfield has has always been great, even in in um, you know, whatever limited yeah. capacity she's had. Uh, great great facial control, but this is absolutely the right thing for Jess and a good way to end her story. Like, yes, Kendall has been awful to her and throughout the series in ways that he's not conscious of because it's just his personality like he's just he's arrogant he's uh self-absorbed but um and, you know and then of course there was the episode uh in season three where you know he in mass and time of war where none of the siblings want to join kendall and he's angry and then he gives her the look and brendan called it his heel moment uh where he's like what uh, you know and he yells at her it's and um and now this but 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 he's also a lot more human than his contemporaries i'm gonna say like i'm sure he pays her well kendall is not a sociopath or a pervert which is the you know i'm gonna say like for this ultra elite billionaire crowd like that's actually kind of a tall order that you know he's not gonna fucking sexually harass her if if there's anything if there's anything we learned from this show too (laughs) um especially um i but yeah, like if, if this was her chosen path, you know, she wanted to be an elite executive assistant to take her to whatever her next step was, uh, you know, she could have done a lot worse. So, you know, I get it. I get why she worked with him, even if, you know, maybe now some people are saying like, well, I don't see I'm not seeing anyone saying this, but somebody could say, well, like you've been working for him this whole time. But the Megan thing is like a bridge too far. Um, but I know, also but, see that but I think, as a bridge too far. Like I, I completely buy that. Yeah, that's very yeah. believable. Like, yeah. I, but, but, but it, but yeah, no, it, it, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it makes sense, you know. Like, there were there were ways for her to justify this job, uh, but now it's like it's reaching a point, and and it's reaching a point for Kendall, for everybody, for for the women in his life, and for other people in his life, where it's just like this is this is too much, you know, bro. Like, I'm I'm sorry. Didn't you say? that there was a sickness just just like just last yeah, season yeah. and all of us and that we need to we need to find absolution and we need to move on that you don't want to be anything like your father um I, 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 again just like the, the family disintegration stuff very very uh you know reminiscent for me of, of the michael corleone stuff i i only recently just watched the godfather one and two um you know the 
this past fall and so oh. like i'm you know we, we talk about it all the time here but but the the michael dis you know the dissolution of his family stuff was was really striking for me in that movie and it just it just feels like that's kind of what's yeah. happening to kendall here a little yeah that bit. movie's okay uh <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. i prefer I, I prefer i prefer the godfather coda ah sure yeah yeah, yeah. i also didn't didn't um i might be misremembering this but when Kendall was doing trying to trying to get, negotiate the buyout with Logan. Didn't he specifically name her? He was like the named. He wanted to bring yes. Chess and for yeah, with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chess and he was like, That's, Those are his yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, those are like the two people he wanted. Like, and I, I just, I, mean, I think Jess, it's just, just knows a lot about Kendall. You know, yeah, and she, yeah. she, it's, she has to be more involved in his life because he's such a baby and he's so high need and he needs drugs and he needs his medications and he needs you to come in because he had a false thought. Oh, uh, excuse me, um, Gabby. He, he <laughs> needs know. a straightener. He needs a straightener. Let's let's <laughs> yeah a straightener. Yeah. I mean, I thought this was a good like corrective to. I think sometimes, I don't know. Perhaps there's a tendency to like hope that there is more of an actual relationship there between Kendall and Jess than what we actually see. But I think that the great thing about Canfield's performance is that it, she is very good at suggesting glimmers of like agency within a character whose agency is a complete afterthought. Yes, you know, like we like it's like it's intentionally kept off screen all the time. The best she can do is give us some side eye at a certain point or like betray that she's feeling particularly agitated about something like in the last two episodes of the first time we've ever actually seen her express like her own opinions or something that she actually wants. Like, I, I love the way that Kendall says he's given her extraordinary access because in these kinds of jobs and the way he treats Jess, the actually the case is that he has extraordinary access to her. <laughs> yeah. He has, un, he has, he has unlimited access to her life. Uh, I think Canfield said in an interview that there was a cut scene where like she was at a birthday party or something and Kendall called her and she had to leave. I think that's probably what was going on when he called her on the yacht and Connor's wedding. It was like, get me the best airplane doctor in the world. <laughs> Air, no, the airplane, airplane medicine, airplane medicine airplane specialist. Medicine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think I, I think it was uh, like a colleague of mine, Sam was just like, there's, there's no more pure Kendall moment than him inventing the field of airplane medicine. <laughs> the field yeah, of medical yeah, field, then, yeah. Like, I'm going to medical school for, yeah, for, for, air, for, airplane, for airplane, airplane medicine. medicine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And just to, so just to keep moving on the front of, of Kendall sort of like losing people and then picking up other ones, like he picks up Hugo, who he'd already kind of started blackmailing in episode four of this season. So <laughs> woof, woof, yeah. woof, woof, great scene. And then, yeah, you get the, you get the killer <laughs> Bratel strings, like the, the bass yeah. that's so heavy. Oh, I it's love like it's the like the, dark the inception noise so almost. Um, but also, and then after that, there's the, the sorry, no, it's just very quickly the cut to the the people putting up the uh, cleaning up the chairs at the funeral. Yes, uh, yes, that's yes, like my yes. Favorite. Oh my it's god! Like when he when they cut to that and he goes, you know, the people who love you, and it's like he he's like, they yeah, it's you, just yeah. like, oh, it's we're wrapping this up. Like it's it's not even they haven't even put the chairs away, and he's he's making like yeah, reminded me of of. The season three finale where like they had those uh you know workers come out uh when, when he's sitting in like the he's about to confess to his siblings about the the waiter and then jeremy strong didn't even know that like those waiters were gonna come out of the um of like the back of whatever venue that they were at and he's kind of like taken by surprise again just like those yeah those shots of just like the people you know the the real world the people that the roys don't ever have to share spaces with um, it was it was an interesting choice. Yeah, I'm glad you brought it up. Hell yeah! Yeah, I love that. I love that line that the life is contingent. That the people who say they love you also fuck yeah. you. Like he's talking about the specific context for Hugo is that they're talking about Shiv making maneuvers with Madsen. 
but he's also like thinking about Jess, right? He's also thinking about Jess and yeah. Rava as like the people who have like bet- betrayed him yes. in this episode, like yeah. that. All that, these horrible women. That real Kendall <laughs> megalomania returning is yeah, these people have betrayed me rather than I've alienated them through my actions. Right. Um, but then after that, exactly. there's another scene that I'm like, I'm really keeping an eye on this because I'm I'm so curious about this scene because Gabby and I we've talked about this a lot and I have a lot of thoughts yeah. about this, but the scene with Colin is really curious so to me. Weird. Like Kendall going to Colin and saying, you should come work for me is a, something I never thought I would hear Kendall say. And, it, and part of it is like, like there's a very, I think almost too obvious kind of dumb TV finale thing to do. Like, yes, this is a very obvious way to show that Ken is becoming Logan. He's going to literally have the same body, man. He's going to have Colin following him around all the time. Like that, that seems too obvious to me. Like there seems like more, going on here and like the specific context that gets mentioned is that colin has been seeking therapy uh that kendall has found out about through some corporate fuckery um and he's worried that he's gonna say something about the the accident that colin helped cover up and so in order to keep him quiet he's like i should he wants to keep this guy close he's like oh you can talk to me but it's so baffling because colin and kendall do not like each other you know they colin has no like fond feelings for him you know, he's been quite intimidating toward him in the past, and Kendall is kind of scared of him. You can see him almost holding the therapy thing over his head. It's like, of course, Colin is the kind of person, as has been teased out, who grew up in a religious background, probably Irish Catholic, probably quite repressed, who would be very embarrassed about going to therapy. Another very Sopranos touch. So I'm really keeping an eye on this because I was like, I really can't imagine that actually happening. I can't imagine Colin actually going yeah. to work for Kendall. And if he's not going to work for Kendall, then why is this scene here? It's something I'm really keeping an eye on going into the finale. It's a nasty moment, man. I'm with you, yeah. It's like... It... Like, the, we've, we first see Colin at the church as the procession is ending. He's crying. I, I I mean, Kendall just, like, going in with the I know that you're in therapy thing was, like, made me sick to my fucking stomach. Um, and Yeah, I don't really understand what's going on here because Colin's not going to go work for Kendall. He can certainly find other work with his experience. And like, I, I just don't know what this was about, what he was, how he, what his approach was here. What, what, what the hell was this angle of being like impossibly cruel? I, I really think it's just keep it in the family. Right. It's like, we, it's like you, you, yeah, for sure. you've had, you've had this access, but the way he did it is like, I mean, it's less about like having the same body man than the tactics that Logan would use. Right. Like, like it's a really nasty the way he's like how are you doing big man like it's this real like we're gonna we're gonna like we're gonna cut you down to size kind of thing and like people talk and it's this whole like yeah you know it's like come work for me like come come talk to me like come be my guy like i'll be your friend and and but again like (laughs) kendall you are not your father like colin is at your father's funeral sobbing he misses him so much and your Colin Jess just like fucking left you. Like you couldn't even. Well, technically, keep that technically, together. Kendall's Colin is Remy, <laughs> his body man, who serves that, who serves more of a I mean, Colin like yes, function. But yes, yes yeah, I know, but, of, I know, yeah, but, but I know what you the, mean. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? In right? terms like, of being the, the number one in his the, life. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I, I just, yeah, I, I get the all in the family thing, but like, you know, it, it, but I'm glad they brought Colin back. And I hope that, I mean, Brendan and I have been doing some wacky theorizing, but. It could be very, very interesting to make Colin central to the finale. Um, sure. Very interesting, especially what they've teased out, what they teased out earlier in the season with him. Um, and, and he represents a lot. Listen, um, he carries he, just a lot of meaning for this show. Listen, he wears jeans. You know, it's it's. it's a, <laughs> he has a he family. Has a family. Jeez. He has a family wears jeans. <laughs> 
It's a whole different, well, let's, a whole let's, different let's, animal. Yeah, let's table this before we get too deep into whack into kooky finale theorizing because we need to talk about Shiv too. Shiv and Matson and their maneuvering. Uh, the uh, the 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 pending Shiv W. It's loading. It's ninety five percent loaded. <laughs> Hope nothing happens. Hope nothing happens at the finish line. Um, no, that's that's not like the show. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, because it, it looks like in this episode that the Shiv's political or PR instincts—they actually bear fruit for once with uh, successfully bearing yeah. that damaging Gojo story in the election. Well, also, re- really, really, really quickly, we didn't get to Shiv's eulogy, and I don't want to be. Let's not be misogynist about it. Shiv did. She she's the most comfortable public speaking. You know, she has that like political acumen and stuff. That's and right. I think the speech the speech worked to her fa- it worked to her favor um for sure in, in terms of what what is uh coming up here you know it was it was a w for her like public speaking is is always a w for her unless kendall interrupts her with uh you know nirvana song or something um it, it's something that she's good at and so yeah i think you know that that helped her going forward give her a little confidence boost and and a little bit of a you know. Well, for sure, but I mean that's that's the other very interesting thing about this episode, where it does highlight some of Shiv's strengths in a way that they haven't always been on display, right? Like she makes a very savvy move, like giving Matson PR advice, and she presents herself as a sort of competent sort of public speaker. But then she's also kind of trading away her her influence or, the, or any possible like value that she could have when you know she pitches herself to Matson as this in this idea that they propose of installing a u.s ceo to placate mencken and his presumably sort of like nativist protectionist policies that he's going to implement mm-hmm. um uh if shiv could be that person well madsen says well what is she does not have a lot of experience it's like well she's got political acumen it's like well what fucking relevance is your political acumen if you're just offering to be a vessel for the fucking president hitler it doesn't matter you know so <laughs> like what's the, what's the, what's the point yeah. there why do they need you you know she pitches herself to madsen and to mencken as like you know i'll be your puppet you know and she assures Mencken that she'll chase the ATN audience way, the same way that her father did. She's willing to give up everything that she really prides about herself in order to get this position. You know, and, and Vic, I was also reminded of the Mad Men reference of the episode in the final season of Mad Men where Don goes to the tobacco executives and says, wouldn't it be a feather in your cap if you could win me back after, yeah. I've, after I've renounced cigarettes? You know, that's kind of the pitch that she makes to Mencken, right? I, I, I do think the great moment and the and and it's a testament to Skarsgård where Matson's pitch to Mencken is like, oh man, all the cool in you just walked a, like washed away. You are like <laughs> this like sniveling like can't even look this guy in the eye. Like I'll I'll do your bidding. Like piece of shit. Like it's like he has the moment where he's like you know welcome in or whatever. He's like has that moment of like come come talk to me. But as soon as he starts talking to me, he's like. I will give you what you want. I'll give you what whatever you need. I'm I'm playing the role that Shiv wants me to play. Like I'm following through. And I don't know. It was it was a it was a you know for for an episode where like she becomes kind of the girl boss of her dreams. Like it is very much like <laughs> yeah she got she like marionetted this guy into doing exactly what she wanted. And I also like that every step of the way she's like. Well, I'm not going to be raising this kid. Like, I'll, I'll be fine. I was just going to say, speaking yeah. of girl bossing, like, yeah. It's, it's like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, whatever. Like, we'll figure it out. Like, yeah, that was rough when, uh, when, what <laughs> in the church when Matson does the little, well, I heard she's yeah. <laughs> bump with his hand gesture. And she's like, you could tell, you could tell, like, again, like, there's a quick, uh, like, you know, just a quick 
micro expression in, in Snook's face where she's like, fuck, you know, like, yeah. here we go. Like, now I have to, like, start, you know, telling everybody that I'm going to be yeah, a yeah. shitty this, mom and I'm not going to do anything. This is why she didn't want to mention <laughs> the pregnancy to anybody, right? Because she knew this was going to be Exactly, right. Because yeah. now, she, now she has to say st- horrible stuff like, I'm going to have, be emailing through my vanity uh cesarean section and and uh have a 36 hour maternity leave and i'm just like oh shiv like <laughs> fuck you like Whoa. fuck you like do you know what american mothers have to go through yeah like, you can actually afford just, to take maternity leave awful. go fuck yeah. yourself dude. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> people actually have to do that some people like, don't even get 36 you, hours <laughs> do you want to do you want to pay for my maternity yeah. leave shiv like i'll take it like <laughs> jesus christ that was so awful yeah but but she has to you know again we've talked about it like when this comes when this came out inevitably she would have to start talking like this i i really think that it also plays into like and again this has been kind of poured over a lot in the media or whatever but uh it's a great armstrong line of like you know he couldn't fit a whole woman in his head like i think that's like it encapsulates a lot Ugh. of like yeah a certain strain of thought a certain strain of conservatism a certain strain of old money dipshittery like a bunch of that and it's like she's 100 percent right about it but in order to play the game she has to like allow herself not to be the whole woman right to all of these people right it's like i i can't be the mother to you i could be the mother to to some other someone else but like to you i'll just be i'll be the u.s ceo of your dreams like i can i can work with people like i you know it's her whole like horror at Mencken when kendall is like we can do business with him it's like well she could do business with him too if, if uh if she really needs to i mean i know this is sort of like extremely obvious but it's kind of insane how bitterly and nastily shiv and kendall can fight and then just kind of like bounce back um i i think you know this is going to lead us some this could lead us to conversations about the finale but i'm just i'm always struck by it like i i was re-watching this the disruption recently when shiv uh releases that like letter about kendall um and they kind of just move on from it. And it, it will be interesting to see if there's something that can ultimately just like completely crack their relationship. Um, but I, I, before we get into like final stuff, I, I did want to talk about, speaking of women, um, you know, Logan's women, <laughs> the women in his life at this funeral. Wow. This scene to me was unbelievable. It was so, so affecting. I, could not get through it my first few rewatches without literally weeping. Um, I don't know why. I don't have any personal resonance with this, <laughs> uh, you know, at all. I really don't. But, uh, you know, I, I think I think we, you know, okay. So so what happens here is, um, you know, first Caroline sees Carrie at the funeral um, and she sort of collects her like, hey, come with me, like takes her under the wing, which I thought you know, was really sweet. She asked her, she's like, it's Carrie, not Kelly, right? <laughs> it was a nice little moment. Um, and then, holy shit, the Sally Ann reveal. Like, we've been waiting for this for <laughs> since season two. I was screaming, Sally Ann, this woman who has been alluded to as, you know, uh, somebody that Logan fell for. And, you know, it was disastrous and it almost blew up the company. Recall Carl and Frank talking about the black cl- cloud after Sally Ann um so sally Ann was there and then it was actually she was actually played by brian cox's wife in real life which was a lovely little detail and um you know and then they grabbed marcia and and you know of course if you recall that that really awful scene in honeymoon states at that at the penthouse where um uh, you know 
Carrie is wants to go upstairs and Marsha is big bossing her and says she's going to get her a train to the subway. Um, this this for me was, um, you know, it's something the show, I think, has earned. I think we can let them do something soft and sappy like this. I could, it was impossible for me to have any sort of cynical read on this. Um, I think this is, uh, you know, Marsha's treatment of Carrie here was was. A final act of kindness and forgiveness uh, to Logan, whom whom she truly loved, and and you know we also know Caroline is a difficult woman, but but she loved him too. She had three of his children, and um, you know it's interesting because Logan, you know, he didn't really have that many people in his life who truly loved him, and these women do slash did. Um, you know why else would they show up, right? Like they talk about how um. Caroline makes the funny joke about how Sally Ann was her Carrie. Um, <laughs> but actually, uh, Marsha's, you know, Sally Ann was actually Rhea Jarrell, um, who conspicuously not in attendance, right? So so, so these are the women who, who really loved Logan, and he loved them too in the limited way he could. And, and, you know, maybe death and grief does make you temporarily insane it can be very cathartic in, in in strange ways but this felt entirely different for the show because it was it was super earnest but in in, in a non-comic way um and and there was a finality to it for for these women i mean caroline a little bit of a different story i think she's going to be in the finale but um this is something that we don't ever get from the show it's just kind of like a, a really nice moment where something is wrapped up in a way that is just like entirely love like this this was just love like that's you know it, it's very very corny but you know we don't see real expressions of love um and this was love for 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 logan was these four women sitting together and and um i'm really grateful they included it after what happened with marcia and carrie because you know marcia is a tough bitch and she's always had self-interest but she's not a monster you know if she was a monster she would have been in more of the series of course we can always like quibble about anybody who's close to logan is a monster to some extent but but marcia for all intents and purposes um I, I i do not believe she's a monster so this was i think a really poignant uh very unsuccessiony thing to do that i really really loved um because it, it felt like we needed that here um we needed something like this and 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 with all the talk about women and misogyny um you know it's interesting because um Logan did have a lot of problems with women, but but um, there were women who adored and, and loved him. Um, and he, you know, if we think about it, like these these are the women of his life. I mean, Connor's mom, God rest her soul, was the first one. But it went Connor's mom to Caroline to Sally Ann to Marsha to Carrie. And, um, you know, it's not like he you know, fucked a bunch of women and, and nobody showed up for him. It's interesting that in the first row of his funeral were like were these four women. Um also just a very, very funny moment actually when when Jerry notices Sally and she starts laughing and she like literally has to look away. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Fall, yeah, I think yeah. I, th- I think in one one of the episodes I mean obviously the C suite all know about Sally Ann. It's like this big thing that's been alluded to throughout the series that, you know, was just like a terrible Logan infatuation and um, if you recall there's an episode in in season two when when she's talking to Roman and she's like oh Sally Ann and she has like this very like disgruntled look on her face so um 
yeah i just there's yeah, a great I adored that there's and, a great kind of comic yeah. genesis to that whole interaction because obviously it's mostly just like caroline i think it starts as something caroline thinks would be funny to like piss off logan and it is you know after his death by having his mistresses sit up front with his wives because he wanted to compartmentalize in certain ways right like it like it is sweet yeah. in the ways that you're saying but it's also just very legible as something that's like shitty and funny that caroline would do and i love that and sure I, yeah yeah and it it's gets not, you that very yeah. and that funny genesis of that moment it gets you that very human gesture between uh between marcia and carrie which is a reminder as you say that there is humanity to marcia uh, even beneath all the ways in which she's very scary <laughs> yeah i mean when, when when she when she grabs her hand and my god zoe winters i just she's impressed us so much this season and and when she kind of like she took her hand back and they sort of had like a gentle nod towards each other like a this mutual understanding of like we both loved this man and he's gone and what the fuck is the point of us you know and, and again like if, if marcia if, if carrie had like set up a uh a, a, in a real arrangement with logan to like get money or something this might have played out differently but like marcia's pretty safe i think in in her in securing her bag and she is the wife like carrie didn't get that far you know um but but yeah it, it was nice that Marsha, you know, could come around and understand, okay, this this woman actually really, really did love my husband. And I mean, know. there's a I think what the sweetness you're talking about, which I agree with, is like there's a real acknowledgement that out of the four of them, Carrie is the most fragile of them. And it's like whatever kind of play that's being done with Caroline like being like, oh, I want to be funny to get us all on the front row. It's like there's also a sense of like we like this is the person who's the most like a, a cracked egg and it's like it's a real gesture well her life was completely yeah, turned upside it, down like completely the re the rest of them have all had time to like no for sure on. but it's yeah. like a gesture of kindness where it's like no 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 just come here like exactly. it's like it's okay and right no it's and, just, and yeah. you know she's like her voice is shaking the entire time with her with her bro with her br she she brought a yeah, lawyer with just her like, I, you know. and like oh my god well like, yeah and the so sad and the, and the carrie's brother reveal oh, so which funny. is which will which is so funny and made, I'm not sure if it's made even more funny or it's just odd that that actually is Zoe Winters' real Bro, life brother. brother. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, it's just, it, so it's, funny. It's, it just immediately that registers hair. as a psychic, <laughs> just like the, the iconic helmet of black hair that Carrie has and her brother has the same thing. It's just, <laughs> it is, it is, it's incredibly funny. Yeah, the way that scene starts in the very like human kind of tender way it resolves itself. But, but also like Marsha's, yeah, Marsha's parting lines nice. to, shiv were like very affecting to me oh like, god was... yeah when, when you when when you brought up the how it was like so back and forth and the burial scene where from from the funny stuff to the just like absolutely gutting lines that yeah. that marshall line yeah or she's like you know she he broke my heart and he broke yours too like we're all we're all here together yeah uh that that was like <laughs> that was another thing that i i started i burst into tears after that like just so many lines in this episode that just uh you know, in a lesser show that didn't have so much restraint throughout its many seasons would have maybe felt a little cheap or a little bit on the nose or a little obvious. But um, like I said, I really think the show earned these moments you, you, you get to, um, where it's able to just kind of say what the show is about. Like You get yeah. to break it off when there's two left. You get to... You get yeah. to do this stuff when it's too up. Yeah, and fuck yeah. And, and one, I mean, more, one more gesture I didn't want to forget about in that, uh, in that graveside sequence when Shiv goes to Frank and, oh. and Carl and says, and oh. says, how bad was dad? 
and Frank oh, yeah, gave us one of his classic God. euphemisms. You know, he was a salty he's dog. He was a salty but dog. he was a good egg. <laughs> salty dog. You know, what she saw was what she got. And then she walks away and it stays on Frank and Carl. And they say, right? Well, that's... And Frank, like, Frank does that heavy <laughs> sigh and he goes, right. Like, the, the, and it's just like, we'll never get any follow-up on that. There's just so much unsaid that they will never say about the stuff that they saw, the stuff that they thought and knew about Logan. Uh, and that his kids will will never know. But it's such a it's such a plea. Like it's so like that that moment was the moment that broke me, where she was like, she just wanted someone to like, because she knows too. But she's also like, yeah, you want right. someone to confirm the best of him. And again, what he get what she gets in response, right? What she gets is salty dog. But you know what you see is what you get. It's all very. It's all very caveated. Yeah. It's all very like shaky, you know. But I don't know. Right. She's never gonna get a, never gonna get an answer that he was he was a great man, which is what you know what Roman. Well, well that's would also say, what that's, all, that's also what Logan. That's also what Logan said in that conversation in season three when she was asking him about cruises, and he says, "Well, maybe there were some salty moves." Right. Salty moves. Yes. Uh, I I was wondering why what what you guys think prompted Shiv to go up and ask them that. Like it it was just a well. She looks at she looks Greek. at Roman in the car before that. She looks at Roman having a hard time, and mm. so that's that's another thing that I'm thinking about. This thread of like the possible abuse that that Roman suffered. She's looking at yeah. how damaged Roman is and thinking about what caused that. The stuff that maybe she was protected from seeing. I didn't notice the, that as the only daughter. Yeah. Right. Sure. I did want to talk about before we move into trying to wrap up this episode. I wanted to talk about Menken a little bit more because we've been we've been starved for Menken this season. We and we get a, a lot more of him in this episode. But I thought it was so fascinating the way that he actually says relatively little in this episode. Like he's mostly there for obviously during the funeral. He's just there to kind of observe and listen. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's very and he's very cagey. And I, I I like the grim joke that after all this fear over his election in the aftermath, he's just another president who has to be kind of charmed and negotiated with. And well, it's like the Austerlitz line. You're a, you're a very high yeah. class hooker. You have to, what, what, what is it? You, your, your business model court, is seducing presidents. Yeah. But, uh, but Benkin doesn't want Thank to be you, seduced yeah. <laughs> really, you know, despite all the sort of like fun flirtatious way that Kirk has sometimes played this character. He also said back in his first appearance, you know, that this monkey don't dance. And when you right. when you realize when he has that conversation with Kendall, an amazing gesture from Kirk when Kendall's kind of winding up and Kirk just leans all the way in. He just gets very close to his face to listen to what Kendall's about to say. And uh, when he says, oh, yeah, I'll try to help about the deal. Uh, you realize that, like, he is only interested in these people for as much use as he can get out of them before he can like install somebody else who will be more pliant to his wills. Cause then immediately afterwards he has to deal with Greg and he has to deal with Connor. And he's like, okay, I get a very dark joke that like American Hitler gets into power. And immediately he's like, Oh God, I have to deal with all these like boring bourgeois <laughs> assholes, you know, <laughs> like, yes, I want to exterminate all the brutes, but at what cost? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, I mostly, it's funny because it's like, what if Trump was, 20 times more handsome and 50 times more oily and somehow this is how they landed on on Mencken and and Kirk's performance is just like it's it's funny because like you know Justin Kirk historically is this kind of like you know multifaceted actor there's a lot of like there's a lot of relatability there in what he's done and this is like the one where it's just like oh man you broke it off like you are you are snake oil salesman 
of the highest order where you are using snake oil to to moose your hair almost like it's well, like and, horrifying well and he's completely has no sense of like morals or loyalty like at all like he has his program presumably but like he has no sense of like loyalty no. to these people no. whatsoever he's and he is not interested in them like he is so cold in this episode and you and you really see that like again like there's that implication that he calls Matson to give his blessing to the deal but we don't see it we don't really see him being particularly impressed by anybody he's just like but he he does seem like sort of tantalized by the idea of like corrupting shiv and bringing her over to his side i think that does kind of delight him a little bit absolutely well there it was an interesting conversation there was that that line that stuck out to me was about like logan's ideology that that mankins like well there was a you know there was an under an ideal ideological what sympathy compatibility yeah and Shiv's kind of like, eh, what did she say? Yeah, he My was dad about had deep mo- ocean currents swirling yeah. in his gut. <laughs> but, he- but on specifics, he was about money winning and gossip, which is true. Logan has Logan said in the What It Takes episode that ideology is not important to him. It's about popping, you know, and being, you know, being a little spicy and sexy or whatever. Um, so, yeah. And, was, uh, and he was- doesn't want to deal, Mencken, with people like Kendall and Roman who have egos that are going to get in the way. Like, he doesn't want to deal with Roman the showman who has his own ideas for ATM. Roman the showman. He doesn't want to deal or, with Ken's or, Machiavellian or Kendall's, bullshit or his megalomania. Kendall's fake li- fake liberal bullshit also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he's... Uh, like, that. that's going to... they'll That that will create... Like, that. there's going to be inevitable tension because as much as, like, Kendall is whatever, like, in bed with this, you know, whole right-wing ecosystem, like, he still is nominally liberal or whatever and he doesn't believe this stuff about, you know... Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. So uh, I think he's because we had so much chicken. Be- I have to like the fascist or whatever. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. They're yeah. not Nazis like the Roy's. <laughs> they don't. The kids. They don't actually believe this stuff. But it seems like someone like Shiv can put that aside. You know, she said, "What did she say?" My dad was flexible. So am I. Yeah. 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 It's very. It's it, it's interest interesting. Macon's take on on all of them. He seemed impressed by Kendall's eulogy. No. He he, he did. Yeah, yeah, but then as soon as <laughs> yeah, he did. He he liked that because I think well, again, he <laughs> as a Hitler wannabe, he he respects a good public speaker. Um, but uh, but as soon as Kendall tries to like convert that into like, okay, I scratch your back, you scratch mine, he's like, no, 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 no. That's not how this works. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't seem to be particularly taken with anybody, right? Like, did I? I mean, I didn't pay so much close attention to no i think the only thing that really caught his attention was he was he was amused or intrigued by the idea of shiv coming over and and being his vessel i think i think he liked that that uh he and and that's also where they have him to say the the kinder kucha kirche thing oh my god a a german (laughs) phrase referring to the traditional role of women in like church kitchen children and uh it's, it's very much this thing where it's like again menken says very little in this episode so it's like oh we better have him say something hitlery so people don't forget that he's hitler oh so this is insane that's yeah. not what i thought it was i thought he i thought what it was he it was, was doing a play on kunta kinte uh <laughs> oh. i did not know that was i swear to god i did not know that okay well i mean that's better well, I, I, I don't know if menken has seen roots um, <laughs> I, I just know probably that not, probably not uh, his, his, his his choice of entertainment. I, I, would, I would suspect. I just know that Jesse Armstrong has gone to the to the Kunta Kinte uh, pun before, and so I just assumed well, that was what sure. they were doing. And I was like, "Oh, okay. No, that's even better, though. That's that's great." Was 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 Matson's comment about black people? By the way, he should get an Emmy just for the way he says. Yeah, yeah. Um, was that like the most pointed the show has ever been about like? 
black racism, you know, <laughs> like not to, to sound like so stupid. That sounds so dumb. Black racism, but like, uh, it's interesting because that that's something that's so like bedrock of America, uh, politics, media, or whatever. Not so much, you know, not totally kind of different layout of that in the UK compared to our history. Nobody quite has our history, but well, the show kind of like I, avoids ever talking about about you know blackness and and, and black america and and that that history and that sort of i do think that like connor brings it up at one point right where he's like yelling at shiv he's like what do they say like no blacks no jews no women above the third floor yeah there's like oh yeah it definitely comes up for sure i mean like but it's always always is kind of like an ironic joke right or just as a reference to you know like the beliefs that people are supposed to have what he says is also just right i mean it's like it's like it is yeah it's 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 yeah. like a very obnoxious thing for like a, a Scandi so stem European who also has like some weird right wing libertarian tendencies to say like very obnoxious it's but just very correct. accurate and very very yeah. good very good acting too yeah like the way he the way he said it was like you know <laughs> yeah it's it's it's, it's, it's really, such a good evocation of it. just yeah the the idea of instability and the idea of these characters being at a transition point the idea that. American democracy is is actually much shorter lived as an experiment than going back to the founding, and uh, it seems like it seems like there's a there's a there's a good contingent that are ready to give up on that. There was an interesting conversation between Matson and Logan at the end of season three about America, and uh, you know, uh, Logan says the thing about you know Americans, um, you know, fat as fuck, scrawny on 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 meth and yoga. Um, there's, there's cultural stuff that we can we could we could dive into here um but you know we, we can save that but i thought it was yeah it was interesting and and uh a, a great just like a great line read the way that he said it and, and so true to how europeans do talk about americans and like our our um you know sometimes we do need to be taken down a peg a little bit and reminded of things like that as americans also uh you guys talking you bringing up connor with the, the no blacks no jews thing made me think of of that he had a eulogy written out that yeah. was too long and that would have would have put them up it was for formal, it made them li- li- liable to to being sued so maybe he did have some stuff in there about it's you formally know. invented it's I I died formally died laughing invented. it's formally invented yeah, yeah was was Connor gonna spill some tea in his eulogy yeah, it's open to legal open to that, legal yeah, action is the eulogy. It will leave us open to legal oh action. Yeah, I I would have loved to have heard it's, that speech. Jesus. Hilarious. Yeah. It's also like seven pages long. I love where she's just like <laughs> these pages, and she's like, "This is really long and insane." It's too long. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine it's like stream of consciousness, like Joyce. Like, what are you like? Totally, but I'm sure it would have been like, oh my god, we would have gotten a ton of good like childhood 100%. stories. But yeah. In another world. Okay. Uh, um, uh, what about what about Tom Wong? Where the oh fuck is that guy? I was, was going to say. <laughs> well, yeah. This, this maybe this gets into a little bit of our. If we want to do any light speculating about the finale, you know, it's it, as you remarked, Gabby. Tom has spent the last few episodes being very tired, very overworked. The show's really underlining this for some reason. What are they? What are they building up to I with this? Know. We don't know. What are they? What's going on? Am I totally off base here that something crazy is going to happen with Tom because they cannot end? Tom Wamsgan's arc with him being fucking tired from the election. I don't know. Why not? It's I, funny. I, I, I don't, I don't... <laughs> 
It's just like I don't know. They just coming, like they just they just, just like end the next day, and he's just like still stuck in the basement of ATN. He's just like permanently trapped there at the end of the series. That's funny. Like he gets his he, position of influence. He falls asleep he wanted, at his desk. It sucks. He can't. He can't get any rest. Yeah. It's, I, I think true. I think that's, that's great. True. Yeah. He... <laughs> What are, what, are, what, are, right, what, what 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 odds do we have on on Tom as CEO? Where, where, but why why where does he rank? Was it okay? I'm not just just quick question. Tom not making it to the funeral. Like, did that was that ridiculous to to anybody else? No, he's like, very I, busy. I, I it's like a once in a lifetime thing that he's dealing yeah. with at ATN. <laughs> but it's Logan. It's Logan's funeral. He can't pop out for an hour. You wouldn't have missed it if he was no. alive. <laughs> He's in charge and everybody's resigning. Darwin's going to resign. Everybody is like quitting around him. Somebody has to stay Darwin. with a hand on the tiller. Uh, the, the graphic that they had in the beginning oh, was, it was so excellent. Funny. Oh, yeah. Sh- oh, shout out God. to the art department. That yeah, was, yeah. That Whoever so cooked good. up that, that yeah. NYT spread. Apparently, which, which like Serious apparently in show, we're meant to understand that somebody cooked up overnight at the Times offices. <laughs> Listen, the people at the Times yeah, offices right. are as tired as Tom dealing with Tom's bullshit. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Uh, no. Yeah, anyway, but... I'm I'm just throwing it out there that Tom, maybe he's sick or something. I, I just he definitely has um, to have he definitely has that, to have that, something that... to do in the finale. I'm sure. I just love that. Uh, yeah. Oh God, he is, he gets off a couple good lines where he's like, "Your father's lost a lot of influence in the last few days." I was like, "That's yeah. that's really good." <laughs> And when you would, and when Caroline comes up and she's like, "Oh, congratulations!" She goes, "Yeah, it would be amazing if it wasn't a total fucking disaster." <laughs> yeah, which is so funny because that applies both to the pregnancy and to the yeah, election. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and but it, but but him, him and Shiv again, like once again, they have a little soft moment where she's like, "Go back to the apartment," and uh, yeah, who knows what's gonna happen there? They're they're going back and forth. Their relationship is like the uh, it's like the the meme with the graph that just says we're we're back. It's so, so over, over. Yeah, over. It's just like up and down, up and down, it, up and down. It literally. I can't keep track. I have no. I've given up trying to track this. You know, I've talked to some people who um, were like annoyed yeah. that like there was Tom Shiv stuff in this episode because it's like we are, haven't we been over this? I was like, yeah, I agree. We've kind of been over it. Um, but it's the end of the series. Give them a break. That's why the episode's so yeah. long. Shut something's up. Gonna, so, something is something is going to happen. They've done so much amazing Tom Shift stuff all season. It's that, also like four yeah, minutes long in an episode that's like seventy three. I'm like, yeah. it's fine. Like, <laughs> we could have gotten more Peter Money in line. Oh, Think of course. About that. Uh, uh, yes, Daddy's Manion. here. <laughs> Money saying Daddy's here is so funny. <laughs> The way so, the, the way Shiv so just like no sells the like uh, you were one of his favorites the complete deadpan yeah he always asked about you <laughs> and then he goes and like scans for influence and I love how Caroline is always remarking on just like how awful he is it's so I, did, funny didn't he didn't um, he and then and then when t- when no no sorry, didn't he ahead. also like uh, offer to be the casket like to carry the cat yeah, yeah, yeah that's what I was gonna say when Tom when Tom could when Tom couldn't come and like be one of the pallbearers and. <laughs> Greg, he, he basically told Greg to do it, but then Peter was like, I can do it too. And Shiv was like, no. And then she said yes to Greg, which uh, maybe she's realizing that she should be nicer to Greg. I don't know. So he doesn't fuck her over. Yeah, I got to say the uh, the Greg odds <laughs> increased considerably this week for the Greg CEO endgame because obviously like the the promise that Matson makes to make it of a US CEO, it's implicit that it's like, it's obviously not going to be Shiv. Or, like that's what they're setting up. Like Shiv's assuming it's going to be her, but it's obviously not going to yeah. be Shiv. Like that's what they're teeing up. And Matson and Greg have been growing closer over There's... the last couple episodes. So it's like uh, there is there. He called him it's sexy. Like, it's like there is a path. I'm seeing a path. No, like it's thin, no but it's way. There. No way. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm joking, of the course. Bo- as we've as we've talked about, as we've talked about, 
Greg CEO is something I just cannot countenance happening on this show because it would just break the plausibility yeah. of this universe. That like a 28 year old guy with, the with no resume would not get this that. job in reality. No. And therefore, it won't happen because the, the writers wouldn't do the anything. The board to will never. The board will ne would never ever go for it. Like it's a it's a it's a movie. It doesn't point. make he, any Greg sense. Greg is gonna no. he, he's gonna win something. I know he will probably win something. I I I just feel like that's that's where it's going. But you know the top thing like all of a sudden they're gonna make the show about fucking greg um no. yeah you might as like, well put connor yeah. in that spot yeah <laughs> I, I i just i frank's reaction to greg being like well so i i would be number two and frank just bursts out laughing he's like oh it's a nice try kid like really really well done like, uh, ba back it back in the yeah, yeah the day yeah. after the he may he may get the oh, decisive man. board vote though in the Gojo deal. That would be that would be a fun outcome. That would be that would be a fun outcome. Wait, what? Like if he like if he gets a uh, Yuin's board seat or whatever, and he has to cast a, oh, he has to cast a okay, vote okay. to decide he... the Gojo deal. That would be funny. Hmm, yeah, I wonder if he's he's gonna get Yuin's board seat. Have, has that been discussed? I don't know. We haven't really go back to that again. That's not something I'm super interested in at this point. I, yeah, in terms of like yeah. teeing up the finale, what we think is going to happen in the finale, I think the only thing that I would say officially on this podcast is I think that the way that they have built up the Gojo deal all season as the end game in terms of like who's going to be the CEO means that it's kind of something the show is honor bound to undermine at this point, you know, yeah. to play against <laughs> convention in some way. Like that can't be the thing that the episode is about like it's gonna like the actual finale is going to be about something else like we'll see what happens with the gojo deal but i feel pretty confident that there will be something else unexpected that the finale is actually there will about. be so much else unexpected that will be not about the business it's 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 hilarious to me to see like the breathless like who's it going to be who's winning because honestly I watch game, game of thrones but i i can't but I guess that's how people approached Game of Thrones. But like, I, yeah, honestly, like it, it's so low on my list of concerns. I, Who wins? Nobody's gonna win. Nobody. I got will fucking so win. mad about this. Where I'm like, are there? Because I, you know, I'm naive about a lot of things, unfortunately. But I was like, there are people who are watching this fucking show, wondering who's gonna be CEO. Well, I think, like, what? Are well, you, well, here's like, well, here's what I'll say. Like, I think they're that, that's what they like, care most about. Here's, like, that's that's. Well, what, here's the thing. Here's yeah. The, here's the thing I would say is that there are people who are really committed to this theory of the Kendall Pyrrhic victory of Kendall getting the sort of like Godfather two spot at the end where he wins, but the cost of his soul, sure, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And yes, which is which is all very thematically apt. But I would just say that like we kind of have already seen this happen. Like in this episode, it's already happening. So to just see that play out in the finale, I don't know, that isn't interesting. And I think this show has to kind of cut against that in some way. Even if he ends up nominally on top, that's as, as I'm saying, the episode probably needs to be about something else then. Because I think that's pretty much what everybody's right. expecting to happen at this point. Yeah, I'm, I'm only predicting some form of anticlimax. Like, there will be some form of anticlimax because, like, I've said this before, it's a very Sopranos season. Like, this is a very, like, they're, 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 punching a lot of buttons in that in that direction and i think that like whatever it's going to be there's going to be some reveals there's going to be like a couple surprises or whatever but like it's mostly just going to be like the slow march of spiritual death yeah of just like these people have lost whatever remaining shred of their uh their humanity you know is gonna is gonna evaporate yeah, that's what's gonna happen that's what i think like 
the sl- the slow and boring and painful slog of late yep. capitalism it doesn't all happen at once it's just it's just this thing that we're riding out every day that's awful and and um yeah it doesn't seem like the show yeah i think we're definitely going to get some like some some reveals i mean they're having fun with it for sure like they're and they've earned the right like i keep saying it over and over again but like the show has earned the right to do some crazy shit um but we know what it's about at the end of the day and um they should they should even even if somebody even even if somebody gets a win all these wins are going to be caveated and asterisked with a million other things you know nobody's going to walk into the sunset uh happy and we're not going to see shiv in the delivery room Uh, we're not going to see you know i mean i i don't want to say it's going to be like dark ending we're all going to be uh you know sick to our stomachs because it was so so nihilistic or whatever but i can um, see it you know fingers crossed (laughs) yeah i can i can see that (laughs) god i'm like i'm I'm pretty trying not to like have a nervous breakdown about this i'm talking talking myself like it's gonna be okay there's gonna be something to hold on to i got the sentimentality out of the way for most of the a little to to really kind of bring it down they did. They did. I mean, I'm I mean, all I'm the so finale. I mean, all the finales have kind of gone for the real rip your guts out pathos in a real way. So I, I'm sure yeah. there will be some of that here. Like I said, they got the audience alienation thing out of the way too in the election episode. Like they already did that, and they've and they and they've given us the nice curtain call. So really, like anything's on the table. They can do whatever. It's like, 90 you know, minutes, is it not? Is it? Not, yeah, it's 90, 90 minutes. minutes yeah. 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 Okay. What the fuck is a 90 Holy minute succession shit. episode look like? No idea. It's so bizarre. I'm scared. Um. Yeah. Another thing they've been restrained about to now till now is like keeping those episodes fifty nine minutes just until right now till the very end. These last two episodes was was Connor CEO uh, an hour? Was that an hour or did it go over Connor's wedding? No, it was. It or was Connor's you know, wedding. I'm sorry, not Connor's CEO. They've, they've all been they've all been right about an hour. They've all been like an, maybe an hour one yeah. or an hour. Yeah. Two okay. They've all been they all they've all been right about an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Good. Good so. discipline. They're not. They're not doing their 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 Game of Thrones TV movies. Yeah. Um, we can only hope the finale is as good as Game of Thrones. All oh, right. Um, <laughs> we should we should we should call it here. Uh, Vikram, great to chat. Love connecting. Love talking to you. Love to circle back. Uh, love so to circle great. back. So great yeah. to have you love, back. Yeah. Love to circle back. Uh, what you got going on? What you want? What you want to plug for our listeners? Oh, I um. You can follow me on Twitter uh, at phobepoet, F-A-U-X-B-E-A-T-P-O-E-T. That's usually where I post my writing. Uh, I am the editor of Downtime Magazine. Um, we're doing some great stuff over there. It's downtime.jambies, J-A-M-B-Y-S.com. Uh, I'm a contributing writer for The Nation, and uh, I should have a couple pieces going up in the next month or so. And uh, But if you follow me on Twitter, you can, you can uh, for as long as Twitter's still around, you can... Uh, see see my writing and uh yeah i'm 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 trying to write all over the place so that's where i am if literally nothing else twitter is good as a repository of links to victory oh it's always too kind you're too kind you're too kind all right folks thanks everybody for listening thanks again to vikram murthy thanks to gabby and to our producer dan black if you are enjoying the roycast please leave us a rating and review on itunes apple Podcasts, spotify or your app of choice you can also show your support with a contribution via the square link in our bio We'll be back next week to discuss the Succession series finale. Until then, everybody, take care of yourselves. Goodbye.